It's the Low Score Podcast. And now, here's Bobby and Jay. That makes it two weeks. Two weeks. That's two weeks. That's a new record. Um, it is tying a previous record that we have not met in a long time. <laughs> no. I don't know what our, our most uh, frequent update would have been. There's probably a time we, we had them out less than two weeks apart. I feel like I sure. feel like around E3, we've done like a pre-E3 and a post-slash-during-E3s mm-hmm. pretty close and stuff. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. You know, we had, I think, because for a while, like, we were recording at nights mm-hmm. and those schedules would get off, so we would do like a, you know, a Thursday here and then a Sunday here or Saturday here. Right. Um, but, I don't know. I like the Sunday morning. It gives me something to look forward I, to. I like it too, and it gives you Saturday to like, oh, if you finish something up or you want to... <sighs> Get get some more gaming in to talk about. That's yeah, nice we had that afternoon we had to a, do stuff. A busy day yesterday. In fact, hang on a second. It just reminded me that I need to set the NASCAR race on my DVR, which I can do from my phone. And that's all for this episode. Uh, <laughs> it's all for this podcast forever. Uh, so Jay, I don't know, but this is big news in your area. Oh, hometown hero Denny Hamlin's oh. team caught cheating. What? Yeah, that is so, not the Midlothian way. Let me mm-hmm. tell you what. Um, I don't. I don't actually know that. No one has said what the circumstances of it are. Like, if none of the news that I have read has intentionally said yes, they were cheating, but they were cited for infractions that would give them an advantage. So, uh, they suspended their crew chief for six weeks. In hold on, infractions that would give you an advantage sounds like sounds, cheating, but no one's ever said like that team was cheating it was just like well maybe it was an accident i don't know okay. but it gave him an advantage so so he's been suspended for six races his crew chief uh has been and oh. pit chief have been suspended for six races and he was docked 75 points um which there's like you earn points based on the number of wins you have and where you place and stuff like that so it totals out over the season mm-hmm. um so he's done well and he ran he won uh talladega so he should be fine and end up in the the chase the end of the season uh but yeah scandal mid mid low scandal oh my gosh i've not heard i would have thought it would have been all the buzz at the uh the town hall meetings i'm always going to mid low the mid low score podcast oh <gasps> we could actually say that mid low score next time you're in town recording we will call it the, the mid low score. score podcast wonderful um and now I got so excited about this I forgot what I was doing. Oh, I was setting the DVR. So how so your DVR so there's a race today, I guess. Yeah. Just, uh from when to when? 1 to 4. Okay. So will you start watching it at 1? Uh no. I will so whenever I DVR it, I will likely I try to start it halfway through the race so I can fast forward. Okay. Got it. So when I'm watching a race on DVR, I watch the start of the race i watch the first 20 laps see what's going on i watch the first pit stops and then i basically fast forward unless something big and eventful happens okay so, so you don't fast forward just through the commercials you're actually fast forwarding through the, there are times where i call it burn-in laps uh-huh. where i fast forward through through laps where just like there's no position changes or whatever okay um which is you know people do that with golf all the time Go- like they watch uh, totally my my dad can watch a round of golf in like 45 minutes he, right he'll even like 
somebody will hit the ball and he will fast forward to when the ball lands. Yeah. <laughs> like just <laughs> maximize time. Like like especially like a not on a putt or something, but like if they're coming off the tee. Right. Just like that ball's gonna be in the air for a while. Bonk 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 bonk. Oh. Oh shit! That reminds me. I have two more games to add to my my list here of stuff we've been playing. You, you, we need to go rapid fire through these because you're getting up to a, a good ten spot <laughs> on your what have you been playing? Okay, uh, that and okay. So, so as I've said this, I want to ask you. You went to a William Joel concert this week, didn't you? I, uh, yes, we were up uh, visiting family over the weekend, and we saw uh, Mr. William Joel himself, uh, William Joel Ferson. Uh, at the National Stadium, National's Park, <laughs> Baseball Park. What do you call it? Yeah, Nats Park. Okay, I think. Um, it was outstanding. That's a, it was the second time I had seen Billy Joel. Um, and he he is still getting it done, man. He um his voice sounds as good as ever, which is really what you kind of come for. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could definitely see he had passed off some of the more challenging piano parts to his keyboardist. Yeah. Um. But uh, setlist was was pretty good. Uh, it was very late, later Joel focused. Okay, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Let me let me look it up here. Because after after you said that you went to that, I, I guess did you listen to the uh, Madison Square Garden concert? Yeah, on so audio? so we were pretty jacked up on Joel. So we were driving home the next day. <laughs> Um, figuring out what to put on. Kara's like, let's fucking put on some Billy Joel. So, yeah, we put in Songs in the Attic, which is, uh, a, that's a great album if people don't know. It's a live album, I forget when, maybe late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. But it's Songs in the Attic, it's live cuts of not his top songs. Like, great huh. great songs, but, like, Piano Man's not on there. Right. Um, uh, we thought that it was cool. He, um... Uh, Billy Joel has a, an odd sense of humor uh, in evidence in a couple ways. Uh, he has a roadie named Chainsaw who's been with him for decades. And mm-hmm. I saw him do this at both this concert and the last one. He plays he after- juggles chainsaws. Yes, he does. He after about a dozen songs, we're like, uh, Chainsaw's awesome. He's going to come out here and sing a song. And they just play Highway to Hell. It's <laughs> totally non-ironically start to finish. And you can tell, like, the older Billy Joel fans there are like, what the heck? Why are we listening to this? And other people are like, this is hilarious. What yeah. is happening here? Highway to Hell is a great song, too. T- totally great song. And, like, sandwiched in between, we didn't start the fire and don't ask me why. Like, we go highway <laughs> to hell, don't ask me why. That's great. Um. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, anyway, after Joel, we were listening to a whole ton of that stuff on RDO, which... Because I saw that you had been listening to that, so I listened to that yesterday That's, while I was cleaning. It's outstanding. Great album. Yeah, I've had Joel stuck in my head all day. I am I'm considering keeping my eyes peeled on eBay for a rock band keyboard mm-hmm. so I can play some Billy Joel. Because I... Yeah. Was it... I guess it was Jimmy's bachelor party when we ended up the end of the night playing Billy Joel. We played a lot of Joel. Because yeah. there's 18 Joel songs. And it's great because everyone who's playing knows all the words and can also sing. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you don't have to focus so much on whatever you're doing. Like you can be, you know, have five beers in your hands right. and play and sing. And if, if you are the job. singer and you really want to get into it, you don't need to look at the screen all that much. Right. Um, that's why, that's why I love, well, it's fun. Cause you know, when you're playing, um, 
piano or you're playing guitar, mm-hmm. you know, the rhythm or you're playing lead guitar or whatever, you can kind of sing and play along together because a lot of times the notes sync up. You know, when you're yes. drumming, it's really hard to you, drum you, well. You and cannot sing. do it. I would even say, depending on the song, uh, guitar and singing is hard. Yeah. Like, uh, so, so songs are kind of so designed for that, like, you know, the Jimmy Buffett songs, right? Like, those Absol- are easy because it's, it's a singer-songwriter Absolutely. style. Yep. Um, but, Billy, uh, Will, God damn, <clears throat> I want to call him Willie Joel. Old Billy Joel. Old it's Billy the, Joel. It's the same way. Well, that's awesome. Yep. But it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, weather was beautiful. He played for over two hours. Um, I'm jealous I've never been to a Billy Joel concert. He's really worth seeing, I think. Um, like I said, he's, he still puts on a really good show. I guess it's one of those things where I would definitely go see it if I had someone to go with, but I'm also not thinking about like, Oh, is Billy are Billy Joel tickets on sale right now? Like, yeah. I, right. I don't know. What, what reminded you to go buy those? Or did you set a calendar reminder? It's like, Hey, at one point I read that Billy Joel was going to be in town. Well, that's funny. So this time obviously is um, my family all sitting in a row, but the first time I went um, was in 2006. They were playing, uh, he played at uh, JPJ. It was right after we, it was like in October. So we just moved mm. to Richmond and Carrie's family had tickets, but I did not. So I was, it was uh, Carrie and her folks, I think maybe her sister, but I had not have tickets. I'm like, I kind of want to go. So I was like, all right, I'm going to tag along. And if I can't get a ticket, I'll just like hang out at your guy's house. Um, and they were like, okay. So I got it. So I ended up getting a ticket. I just bought one in the parking lot, but I was not mm-hmm. sitting with them. So I was sitting with a mix. It was in Charlottesville. So it was a mix of like, um, I think to my left were a couple of ladies in their 60s way into Billy Joel. Mm-hmm. And then like some sorority on my right, equally into Billy Joel. He is the great equalizer. He is the great equalizer. And everybody was singing along. I was like, this is great. This is a great man. Everybody yeah, I mean, I, I, on. I could imagine I would have fun doing that. It's like, you, but you just don't want to go to a concert. You don't want to go to the concerts by yourself. Right, exactly. Yeah, because like during the show... You, you, like a movie, you're all just kind of sitting right. there watching it. Like, every once in a while, you're like, you turn the side, you're like, this, huh? We're huh? here. Yeah. Yeah. This, I like this song. This is a good song. Yep. He, uh, also like, he's he's got his p- piano rig in the middle, and it spins, mm-hmm. just to kind of give people different angles of seeing him. He also gets up and sort of plays guitar for a couple songs, and dances okay. around. Um, sounds sounds fun yeah he's done a bunch of shows um with elton john which i think would be really fun yeah i remember those because that was when we were in high school maybe that was or, their biggest they, they did a ton of those college. in the um a little earlier the um mid late 90s and then they've gone out again a couple times yeah i feel like there was one around 2003 or four that sounds where right. people i knew from high school were going to it and i was really jealous because yeah. i could not go because i was in a different place Man, radical. Good for you. I'm jealous. Yep. It was a very, night, very night of Joel. Big old night of Joel. Okay. So uh, I just want to congratulate you on Inbox Zero. Oh, man. Thanks, and man. It was it was a journey. And and now you're here. Uh, it started, started from the bottom of your inbox, and now you're here. I started from the bottom of my inbox. So my inbox had close to 20,000 emails in it. Okay. Um, and I believe we've had this conversation on the podcast before, but to remind you... I I had said, Jay, why don't you just go ahead and sort everything, label everything? And there was a key bit of information that did not transfer from me 
and the rest of the world and the Google app ecosystem into your brain. Right. See, to me, I was like, there's there's two kinds of emails. There's emails I need to deal with and emails that I'm done with. And to mm-hmm. me, that was like read, unread. Because if and I needed to revisit, if I read an email and needed to revisit it for whatever reason, I just kept it unread. Or or if you needed to go back and find something, you just search it. You search bar, totally. That's why, so I didn't like, I'm like tagging stuff takes too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple auto tag filters for, you know, newsletters or whatever I get. But what I learned about was this feature totally <laughs> blew my mind. Yeah. The archive feature. Where'd that come from? Now, I don't know if you know what this does, but what it does is uh, when you're done with an email, you can archive it and it removes it from your inbox, but it will still show up in searches. Correct. It, uh, <laughs> and so this immediately I realized, hold on, now I can have a third type of email archive. I'm completely done with right. inbox and read truly meaning I'm read, but I, I need to take some action on it, respond mm-hmm. to it or whatever. And then true unread messages I, ha- I actually have not seen at all. Yeah. Um, so to make use of this, though, I first had to clean up my entire inbox and get rid of things that could truly be archived. Mm-hmm. So starting from 19,000 something something, I first made a bunch of big swaths um, searching for like old things I hadn't cleaned up that could be deleted Right. Uh, you like you search for the name of the newsletter and exactly. then you can delete all the newsletter or uh things like I'll search for Capital One. Here's all my statements and password change notification and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like ar- I don't want to delete those. I want to archive all those. That's mm-hmm. going to be a ton. Um so things so, like yeah. that. So that took care of quite a few. I think that got me imagine. down to you know 5 6000 or so. Because uh, this has been my email address since 06. So it's right. a lot of emails. Then it was um, kind of eyeballing through. Most of these now were personal emails that I didn't want to delete. And they I, they could have just been archived. So then I was archiving 50 at a time pretty fast. I'd kind of look at 50, be like, uh, you can be deleted, you can be deleted. The rest are archived. Mm-hmm. And so you spread this out over the course of a couple weeks, couple, right? A couple weeks. It took me... I was excited because you were tweeting your progress I did. and I was, I was faving. Yes. You starring were, you were faving just about everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I, cause I would get up in the morning and sit down for like 30 minutes to an hour, drink coffee, doing that. And then at the end I would post it and then like go about my day. <laughs> uh, it was the highlight of my weeks. And then, and then finally I got to the end. So yeah. So now I'm actually using email like a person. I, I'm using the mailbox app now to do email. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things I like and things I don't like about that. But yeah. it makes use of that um, dichotomy. I very much like being able to delay emails or to Th- be. Oh, like, yeah. Think about this later. Right. So, for example, I got like Hover sent me an email like, hey, you need to renew your websites in the next 90 days. And I'm like, not doing that right now. Send, yeah. Resend that to me in like a week or whatever. Yeah. That resend to me or like repop it up in a week is the best. Mm-hmm. Repop it up later in the day. You might as well just like leave it in your inbox. That's what I found. I was doing that. Like somebody would send me an email in the middle of the day. I'd be like, oh, I'll look at that tonight. The thing I don't like about the way mailbox works is that, you know, when I'm when I'm doing like big purges and stuff, I'm like you. I'm in the web app version. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah big right? purges. You got to use a computer. Totally. And so I'm not sitting there going swipe, 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 swipe. 
And a lot of the day, I'm using Sparrow on my desktop. Okay. So, like, trying to go back and forth between, like, using it on the phone, and only Gmail works on the phone right now, like, maybe, like, a couple other things. Yeah, um, I don't know. But not all my accounts. So, it doesn't make sense to actually use one of those. So, I have my own system, but I'm, I'm very proud of you. Nice. Thank you. We, uh, so I used to use uh, the Gmail app for my personal, um, now, of course, mailbox. And I used to just use the default Apple mail app. We have, mm-hmm. uh, we use um, Exchange, Microsoft Exchange for work. Yeah. But um, my work changed their security policy uh, where now you have to like install, if you want um, like access to the internal network on your phone, you have to like install this app and like give them remote permissions and stuff. Mm. So I don't do that. I just use the shitty web access on my phone. Yeah. So I don't have to use that anymore. Yeah, there's all sorts of, you know, I, because I've not worked in such a professional environment, um, the things that I see people talking about, especially on Android, we're dealing like security sandboxing and installing certificates and, Oof. you know, weird exchange permissions that are required to use certain apps. I'm like, man, that's really intense. Yeah, that's that makes no sense good. Because you don't want, if your phone gets stolen, you don't want trade secrets or whatever getting out. Uh, right. Or like invites to happy hour getting out. Right. The most important things. Right. Yeah. yeah, All that, all that kind of makes sense. But if, if that's like, like, it's not mandated, it's just like, Hey, if you want to access the network, you have to install this. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's like at at work, there's guest Wi-Fi you can get on. So I still have Wi-Fi on my phone at work. Oh, that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I would probably buy a second phone. And be like, that is the work phone. Right. Um, Good. You got to get that work-life separation. You got to separate it out. Meanwhile, my my life has become my work. Because I've been playing a bunch of games. Playing games? What, uh, like video games or like sports games? Uh, Video games. Sports games? Are you kidding me? So actually, when last weekend I got to see uh, my nephews, and they're all a bunch of athletes gross and so they're yeah they're super active uh and so i've got to play like a bunch of made up yard games and like made up pool games it's like oh we throw these bottle caps to the bottom of the pool and then we have like a scoring system that you have to like jump in and grab them and wow yeah and we went fishing i like man the, the catfish just like barbed me damn cut my hand open yeah i felt like a real man uh, so I was I was kind of active. I was sore for like two days. Fishing is pretty fun. Sticking the rod in the water is not so fun. Like when, the... you know, like uh, like when you're interacting with a fish. Yes, that's fun. Yes, when you are not, when you're just sit, like sitting there with the rod in the water. Yeah, but you like you're drinking a beer and you have Hank Williams Senior on the there you iPod, go. Sure, you know. sure you're you're living it. <laughs> you're living it. Just a little sanity maintenance. Uh, well, this fishing did not make me sore. All the other activities made me sore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did get some game time in as well. Gotcha. So observation. I can't remember how how well I had done last time. Last time I had my PC set up, Windows installed. I played some Metro 2033, which has gotten like balls hard. Okay. I can't, I can't beat this segment that I'm in. I just keep dying over and over. Yeah. So I have to wait a little bit, come back to that. Uh, we talked about our Steam backlog. I have to say, this is the first time in my life I've ever tried playing a PC, PC games from the couch, mm-hmm. which is fine with controller support, which is yeah. really weird without controller support. Yeah. 
So I got the lap desk on my lap and you can only like recline so much before the mouth, my mouse like slides back. So like if I take my hand off the mouse to reach my phone, I have to, it's like, shit, oh, crap, crap, crap. That happened to me. I played um, Broken Age, um, which is just a mouse game mm-hmm. on, I through the TV, through my Mac. And that was so totally weird. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'm so far away, but I'm using the mouse. Ah. Uh, there are different times when I have to squint, too, when I'm playing games. But I played a bunch of games uh, on the computer in the past week. Sure. Okay. So should we, we, should, int- we should do the intro. Because this is not a podcast that we do without introducing it. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't break it. We can't break it. Okay. You're, you're right. Uh, it is a podcast that we do sometimes uh, known as the Low Score Podcast, episode 115. Big episode 115. Bob and Jay. Bob, you're over there. And Jay, you're over there. I was like, well, something feels missing. We don't have music that goes into the what you've been playing. I don't remember how to do this transition. Nope. That's it. So uh, now, now, go forth. Now, what games have you been playing? Thank you. The floor is open. Um, so last week on Steam sale, 50% off, a game called The Fall came out. Okay. I don't know if you've seen the quick look through for this. Nope. So The Fall looked like the swapper to me. Um, it is a... 2d side scrolling game that has the kind of limbo effect of like really dark foregrounds you know onto a light background you are a an ai suit like body suit for a pilot that has crash landed on a planet and the pilot inside is in critical condition so the ai suit comes to life and can like walk the pilot around with a pilot on the inside okay so you are exploring an area i I figured out that it's kind of like an adventure game you know, you're exploring an area trying to find clues to help you proceed through the space. So you stumble upon a wrench and then you have to go use the wrench on something to fix it. And then that gives you a new item to go use on something else. So there's that. And then that part of it was frustrating in the adventure game sense, but the atmosphere was cool and the scenario that they're proposing was cool. So I wanted to, I was, I'll continue with this. So I looked up how to do one of the puzzles that was, uh, confusing me it's like oh you just need to like let the elevator go up and then not ride the elevator up and just go underneath it Hmm. sure okay and then i got the gun and so the way that the game works is that you have a flashlight and the flashlight is controlled with your uh, right stick to point up down wherever it's like your hand is on your hand is a clock and so you're aiming your right stick like a clock to point to things and so you can point to something to shine light on it and it'll pop up uh, with a little magnifying glass if you can interact with it and then you have to hold the right button to actually interact with it and then you have to use the left stick to like scroll a menu of things that you can do so already this is a really awkward thing to do with just a mm. flashlight it's like oh i can interact with it i can use an item on it or i can like network with it. oh gross okay so you're not mapping specific actions to button you're just <laughs> mapping like i'm going to take an action and then left stick selects what action that is right which is weird because there are a lot of buttons on the controller that are going unused at this point. Mm-hmm. So this this is awkward, but there's no time sensitive, pre- like there's no pressure or whatever to get it right quickly. Okay. So it kind of works, right? Uh, and then you get a gun. And the gun is the same aiming motion. And there's no just like, if I'm not holding the button or if I'm not holding the stick, shoot forward. You have to hold the stick forward to shoot forward. And so... I'm trying to aim at like a, you know, wild robot that's coming after me or shooting at me. I'm trying to aim forward 
So I have to hold the stick perfectly to the right or else I shoot above or below it. So I'm trying to like aim for its head. So already there, it's like really difficult to aim. Right. And then I have to hold the trigger to charge my shot and then fire. Meanwhile, I'm trying to like go in and out of 2d cover as it's going in and out of 2d cover, like impossible to time, just really frustrating. I just kept dying over and over because I can't just shoot straight forward. Let's be like, you hold the trigger, you shoot to the right or the left, whichever way you're facing, but nope. So, uh, I, I've said, fuck this. I'm done with this. I tried it with mouse and keyboard. The aiming is great with mouse and keyboard, but everything else is even more abysmal. Like you have to do fucking gymnastics with your fingers to interact with an object and then select left and right on the like display. I don't know why the fuck. This is where, this is where you need a steam controller, man. I guess so. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe that I was, I was actually just thinking like, wait a minute, joystick on the left and then those big circle pads for aiming. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. So if those work, you know, um, I was playing a little trying to yesterday and they have a similar aiming mechanism. You can use the like touch pad in the middle for, and mm-hmm. it was the first game I played where that kind of worked. Okay. I was like, if the fidelity was a little bit better, this would actually be like really, really good. Yeah. But I was so disappointed. I the... The, the game looks cool. And the the story premise is based on Asimov's laws of robotics. So solving puzzles in part takes into account those decisions affecting, you know, how you can progress. So it's like, okay, the I can't harm my human that's inside of me. But if I put them in mortal, like if I do something to harm myself, that would put them in more danger in order to like act. So there's a system that's not activated, right? It's like you need emergency support systems. Mm-hmm. And they won't go off yet unless you are in danger. Like the suit is in danger. But being shot at endangers the passenger inside. But being shot at to have it activate the system on top of that, like, uh, is whatever, like, precedes the importance of the other thing. So you kind of think through, like, okay, I need to, like, get myself hurt to make this other thing work, even though it would put the pilot in, in danger. So they've, the, the graphic style is really cool. The voice acting was good. The atmosphere was great. The controls were so abysmal that I had to put it away. Yuck. So that was a big bummer. That's not an alpha, is it? That's just out? That's just out. Okay. Yep. So. Bummer. All right. We'll, we'll keep going. You got a lot. I think you should just go through. Yeah. All right. I'm going to kill off that one because we don't need to talk about that. Um, and then I realized that as I was playing that, what I really wanted to do, what I really wanted to be playing was a game from your Steam backlog. Aha. Uh-huh. The swapper. You know, I mentioned that, and uh, after we did that podcast, the PS Now thing, like, uh, four, like, great games are coming to PS4 that -hmm. are, like, by great, I mean, like, great PC indie-ish games. One of them's a swapper. I'm like, yeah, I should buy that for PS4. Um, I'm not sure. I will tell you that there is, it's kind of like, when you played the first Portal trying to use a controller... There were some parts where you had to act really quickly that were difficult to do totally. in comparison to a mouse. Yep. I think that same problem exists here. Interesting. Okay. Um, first off, let me say the Swapper is one of the best games I've played in a long time. Wow. Okay. It it, it probably would end up in like the number five position for last year, the games of 2013, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better than Brothers. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it's really awesome. So... Number one, it's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. The kind of 
clay looking art style to it or whatever where everything looks like it's all been like hand modeled out of actual objects is really nice um the atmosphere is great it is uh you know metroid symphony of the night whatever style game of you know you need you you have a big ship that's available to explore and you have to uh solve a certain number of puzzles to unlock a new section so that you can go explore so the premise of the swapper is you have landed on a ship where like weird shit has going on and i think you're supposed to be like a scavenger or something like that like you you're aboard a derelict ship just i I don't know i don't know why you're there um there is another everyone on the ship is dead except for one other person and then also on the ship are these like crazy rocks that have uh, telepathic powers so when you walk by them they talk to you so you find out that like, oh, this ship was in space, like mining these rocks so that they could like bring them back to Earth or something and try to figure out how we could use them. They're like right? sentient rocks. Yeah, they're sentient rocks that okay. all like are all interconnected to each other. So that that's the premise of the atmosphere. Uh, and then if you're not aware, the way that the game works is that you have effectively a, a beam gun flashlight type thing that you can use to place a clone of yourself uh, in certain places and then swap to that clone and take over that body. And then every swapper on the screen up to four move or up to five moves in unison. So like everyone runs to the left, everyone runs to the right. So it's all puzzle solving based on having, uh, you know, these, these clones available to you that's need to get in different positions, need to help you get up higher, need to hold down switches while you move. Right. But of course, you know, they hold down the switches and then you try to move and they exit the switches. So you're trying to figure out how to get everyone in position to collect whatever there's like an orb in each of the rooms so the game is broken up into puzzle rooms as you're exploring the ship walking around nice um there are some really challenging stuff in there you feel really smart when you solve something that's the best feeling it's it reminds me you know of playing portal or playing braid it almost sounds more like braid honestly though the mechanic you're describing it does it does but i mean there is there's certainly portal stuff it's like okay how do i get how do i get up there like what it or you know what what's like trick can i use between well, that's the best when you see a puzzle for the first time and you're like uh, that is impossible i don't even know how i'm going to start solving that and then you right. sit there and half an hour or whatever later you've got it yeah that's and so you know in the different rooms there are uh blue lights and when there's a blue light in the sky or in the in the area or whatever that's you cannot put a clone there and if there's a red light you cannot swap to a clone through that so, like, part of the puzzle is, okay, we have to figure out how to turn off these lights and then get someone up there and swap to them and then turn off another light and then, you know, move around. And at some point you get gravity pads. So some of your swappers are on the ceiling and some are on the ground. Um, and it it was amazing. It, I, I destroyed it in two days. Wow. How long was it? It took me about, it's probably like seven hours. That's pretty good. And it, it, part of that was just, like, sitting there noodling through puzzles. There were only two puzzles that i could not solve you'd look up i had to look them up one said you know it said like uh you stand here place a place a clone there see if you could figure it out and as soon as i did that it immediately occurred to me okay of of course right nice um and another one was i had just i had forgotten something that i could do i was like oh i could swap to this this position first and then move um but when you, it's one of those things where when you solve one of those puzzles that seems impossible, you feel like the fucking smartest person in the yep. world. I actually felt like 
Portal 2, that was one of the few things Portal 2 did maybe better than Portal 1. Those later stages um, where the puzzle took place over just a, like, gigantic environment where, like, you couldn't even see the end of the puzzle when you entered the room. And so figuring out, like, the long, complicated combination of paint and flinging yourself and stuff was really cool. So whole you you have to play the swapper. I'm it gonna, is. I'm going to play the swapper at some point. I'm it's. Writing, I'm going to. I'm going to write it down on this paper. It's superb. Really, really, just a tremendous game through and through. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it is, I got to the end where like the last little story sequence had, and then I still had two orbs to collect. So I had to like backtrack for a while. I was like, I wish it had just gated me, right before that story sequence had, you know gotten me to the end of the game instead of kind of ruining some of that uh momentum that had built up literally that's the only complaint i had about it it's fucking it's great it's so good it's so good i love it um let's see i'll I'll ignore gunpoint for now okay because i haven't played enough of it i'll just say google mini metro at some point there's a web demo for this game it's going to come out in steam you could pre-order it. it's like 3.99 or something to pre-order it wow it is a, a puzzle game or a or like a strategy game where you are uh, drawing subway lines on a map to connect stations to each other and then you have to get shaped passengers to the shaped station of their like whatever it's like the same thing is nice um, I lost a lot of hours to that in the past couple of weeks. So Google that game listener. I implore you play some mini Metro and pre-order that. Cause that seems really cool. Okay. Okay. Uh, now we're at the point where we both have a same game on our list. Yeah. I want to talk about it. So uh, you played a little Strider. I finished up Strider. I, I did. Okay. So I want I want you to talk about Strider. Okay. So as you said last week, Strider was a game that got kind of eh, reviews. People saying like, "Well, it's nothing special, right?" Mid- middling like, to good, like a lot of yeah. you know sevens, eights kind of it's thing. Like, this seems cool, but there's no reason for you to go run out and play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for someone who's kind of tired of that style, like I don't like games where I feel like I'm button mashing, and two games in particular seem to be worse at this than. 3d games i don't know why like maybe it's because something like a devil may cry or dmc has like so many combat mechanics going on at once totally nothing Um, button mashy about dmc but what strider does really well is it makes that button mashing like so mindless that it's not frustrating like you said you just press x and you sword 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 and one of the things is um i actually after the podcast came up friend of the show good friend of the show campbell on twitter was like uh, I heard that if you just push sword the whole time you win. And I thought about that because I had actually, f- he's not wrong, but I, I framed it a little differently because I don't know, have you at all tried to not sword, sword, sword and be strategic about your combat? Um, no. Well, so I sword, 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 sword a wall being strategic about my combat. So I'm doing a lot of rolls, a lot of charges. Yes, absolutely. All that kind of stuff. So I would like try to, uh, if you don't sword, sword, sword all the time, you lose. Right. You, because you can't take but so much damage, especially early on. So I actually kind of liked that it's forcing the combat to be very frenetic. You can't literally just push X. You won't win either. You may be able, you actually may be able to get through this part of the game. Mm-hmm. But you do need to be conscious of where enemies are and where bullets are. 
Right. Um, and especially they add complexity later on with the different uh, ammo types and stuff. I'm not going to argue the Strider is a particularly difficult game. I don't think that it is. Um, no. But the the feel of the game is extremely satisfying. It's because it makes you feel cool. It, it makes, makes you feel yep. like a badass. Like it, everything's going fast. Like the environments are massive. So you're like constantly running and just plowing through guys and the new room, new guys, new room, right. new guys. It's like, it's like the basic foot soldiers might as well not be there, mm-hmm. but because they are there and you're effectively automatically killing them. Yeah. It makes it way more satisfying to run around the environment. And especially and, when they throw in a big robot or a shield guy. They can often just like, nope, you're not getting through me. So the little foot soldier guys are actually going to do damage to you unless right. you can deal with me first. So you have to think about that kind of stuff. Um, it is it is frenetic. It is not it is not mindless for sure, but it is there are places in it that require you paying attention less. But it's also fun just because it, it looks good. It sounds good. Sounds great. Um, I love the little like cloud of dust or whatever that when you jump, it's like mm-hmm. a cell shaded thing. So yeah. The game has like three art styles going on. Yes, it does. It's a little weird looking. Uh, it's like really, really good looking Strider model. Right. And then cell shaded yes. jump thing. And totally. then these like lasers that are very different. I can also see why you, I, I've, uh, I keep seeing it pop up like how poor a term Metroidvania is. And it is yeah. kind of inadequate to describe this because I feel like if you went in wanting symphony of the night you're not going to get it one the combat feels really differently uh and two the game is not necessarily designed to like hide stuff everywhere and like uh, it doesn't really reward you like combing over the castle like again and again and again to find bunches of new power-ups there are power-ups but they are they're not really hidden they're just like we put it behind this orange door and you don't have the orange thing yet so come back when you have it right and you are going to come back through here anyway, Probably. so don't worry about it. So, yep. you know, it, there's no sense of exploration. It's just like, oh, yeah, there's a red thing here, and now I can do the like, ground pound, and I yep. can get whatever it is. Um, yeah, I read that. It was on Paste. Uh, Maddie Myers had written this past week about the inadequacies of the term Metroidvania. Yeah. So I guess it all depends on, you know, when I say that, I just mean there is a large environment where things are gated by the abilities that you have. It is, it is a useful term because already i've saved a lot of time trying to describe what kind of game it is right i can be like let's start with super metroid and now i'm going to tell you what's different about it Mm -hmm. there's no guns it's faster it's more about the combat than the exploration Uh, but i finished it the the final bosses are bananas i actually spent a lot of time going back and getting most of the upgrades that's cool. Um, the The final bosses are so good. Like as as crazy as some of the earlier bosses are, it's like several screens high, and they're like messing with gravity, and you're jumping everywhere. I don't want to say too much, but it's a lot of fun. Again, not the world's hardest game, but mm-hmm. I had oh gosh, so much fun. Every once in a while, we did those. Yep. Yeah, I'm I uh, I'm playing it on campus because I don't have a PS4. Yep. So I will likely that- sit down and, and blast through a bunch of it. You should. It's not it's not as short as I thought it was going to be. It also probably took me six, seven, eight hours. Maybe I okay. spent eight on it because I was doing some collecting. But yeah, I, I just got the double jump, so you I don't know how far that is. Not far. Not far. And you only have red sword, right? Correct. Yeah, you'll get orange, blue, and purple. Hey. In order of. Uh... And then the related. Do you have the shurikens yet? The. Nope. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. You got a long way to go. Long way to go. I have the I have the eagle thing. And I have the double jump. Okay. So, yeah, that um, I was really impressed with how big it is. There's actually not as much backtracking as I would have thought. 
um, at least like forced backtracking. You can certainly mm-hmm. go back and revisit them all and get new stuff. Anyway, that's Strider. Cool, Strider. And then the rest of our list is 3DS centric. Let's let's do it. Um, the three dimensional system, I got to tell you, is coming to be one of my favorites. <laughs> I've never thought of it that way, but you're right. It is a three dimensional system. Um, I so of those games that I bought at the Best Buy sale, I, I busted open two of them. Okay. The first that I busted open, this reminds me of our earlier conversation we were talking about golf, is uh, Mario Golf World Tour. Hey, how's that? It's good. It's uh, Ooh. in the vein of, I'm trying to remember what the last one was that I played. Or, I'm trying to remember what the last one was in general. I don't know. Because... The last one I played was probably the GameCube? That may... Maybe, maybe the GameCube was the last one. So, the structure of this one is... It's by Camelot. And nice. The way that the game plays, like the courses play, is very similar to the GameCube one. The only thing is you can't control like the arc of your ball. That's all done with timing stuff, so it's, it takes a little more skill to play. You can't just be like make ball curve this way and land here perfectly. Hmm. Um, I think the the GBA one also had that. Yeah, the it's GBA little, one was terrific. It's a little more difficult. Kind of reminds me of a little more of Hot Shots Golf, but also does the hub world thing of, um, you know, there is a uh, clubhouse which is the shape of a castle and all the, the mario characters like hang out there and then you enter various tournaments and you unlock um the courses as you go along and you earn points to buy upgrades to clubs you can change your outfit which will change you know various stats like oh add three these shoes will add three yards to your your ball or whatever mm-hmm. it is um so there are some rpg like upgrading stuff in there it's not as good as the gba one because right. obviously that's the best one uh late customer's character you know and according to giant bomb at least that's the most recent mario golf okay that's 10 years ago i guess they did not make one for the wii or the ds or the uh, yeah wii. maybe not interesting i feel like i've played i guess i just played mario golf alikes since then sure um yeah you were it's... playing that xbox one yeah i don't remember what that one was and hot i played shots hot shots golf yeah. hot shots is the sony one ah uh, okay i don't remember the other one um so yeah it's it's good the thing that i like about it is that much like the uh me not me verse what's it called when you street pass and you play the games me plaza okay much like the, much like the me plaza you can hold the right bumper and make things go faster word so you hit your shot hold the right bumper and it goes and forth fast forwards like your dad does on the dvr exactly <laughs> um which saves a little bit of time because you know, the courses can get if you're playing 18 holes it takes a little while mm-hmm. especially when you're playing by yourself you know you're just banging through them one after another the other thing the game does is that's cool that i haven't seen another game is that at the beginning of the game you play and establish a handicap so that you can play competitively online with other people and have your score adjusted based on how good you are so everyone is kind of zeroed out at some point um so if you're like really shitty at the game you can still compete in the online tournaments which will earn you prizes and downloads and all all kinds of things like that like rewards into use in the game nice uh that are not just the normal championships that are built into the game um but then make you feel competitive of course now my handicap is like i started with a nine the first round i played and now i'm like down to a two which is a zero is a scratch golfer that means that uh, that means that uh you were like you are the best if you're a scratch golfer, right? Right. Like you are ex- yep. you are expected to get the best score. Exactly. Um, 
it's a Mario Golf game, so it's not. If you know how to play, it's not that hard. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's good. You know, good, good time killer. Good laying in bed, sitting in front of the TV. If you like the golf games, this is uh, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, you're chugging. Okay, so I. The Bobby, you've been talking about a lot of games you played. Uh-huh. O- oftentimes we go back and forth. And the yeah, reason we've done that is it's a little lopsided on the number of games. But don't don't let that uh I don't want to communicate to the world it's because I haven't been playing games the last two weeks. You're still dedicated. I'm still dedicated, but I've been playing one game. I can't imagine what it would be. It's bravely default. So after oh. I beat Strider, actually I have a lot of games on my backlog. But I'm like, nope got to finish Bravely Default. I probably could have finished it by now, um, but I'm too determined to do all the side stuff, and I'm having a lot of fun just leveling up. Yeah. So what I've been doing is each night while I watch TV, I've been leveling up my guys, and then um, I'll find, you know, half an hour, hour during the day to really go out and try to beat these enemies. So I'm on Chapter 7 now. My characters are level 91, and I think I've maxed out about half the classes for everybody. I just unlocked, I actually still have one cl- uh, class to unlock, the Conjurer, but I unlocked the Vampire class. Um, vampire class is the Blue Mage, which I think is pretty smart. Hmm. Vampire absorbs other abilities. Yep. Okay. Um, th- that is, uh, the Vampire is a totally optional boss where you have to like go through and defeat these six super powerful dragons to the world to then unlock entry into the Vampire's castle which is seven floors of fighting enemies and then getting like information on this like uh immortal vampire lord who like lives in the house and has his own story but then you see how the story ties into the not very good bravely default story Uh and color the story in ways that like you're finally starting to realize like what's really going on okay um i don't want to say too much the construction of bravely default is really strange um I'll wait a little while. Maybe we can revisit the story when I'm all done. It's not that good. Um, I could have told you that. But it is... Well, it started out just plain uninteresting. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's there are really, really interesting things about it. I don't know if this makes sense. Like, the, the world of Bravely Default and the characters in it are totally forgettable. Mm-hmm. But there are things about the construction of it and um I, so i guess came up they came up with a good universe idea and then whoever wrote it did a poor job of executing on it uh no no it's more about the way the narrative is constructed so um so the story is boring you 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 uh you break these four crystals and then you you're going to you're going to fix the world so you mm-hmm. do that and you don't the world resets and you do that again and you don't, the world resets. And you do that again and you don't, the world resets. And the character's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and uh, so the story now becomes like, why isn't this working? Um, And like figuring out, like, do we just keep going with this or do we like break the cycle? And you can actually break the cycle anytime you want and you'll go to the end game. Mm-hmm. Or you can just keep doing it to like see the whole game and every time the world resets like um like all the enemies get way harder 
which like your characters in game comment on. You're like, why was that boss way harder this time? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> is this like a different world or like what's going on? Or like now, um, uh, bosses from different parts of the world are like randomly teaming up and are having like funny sort of nonsensical dialogue. Like you kind of feel like the game is like collapsing in on itself as you're <laughs> playing it, which is really cool. That's that sounds good. Um, so I've been enjoying that a lot, but it doesn't matter because the combat is still so good. So I've been just having a lot of fun leveling up and playing with people. And I now have a pretty unstoppable bunch of different classes. I actually have, I've, um, as I've leveled up even further, I've realized that the attack magic is pretty much garbage. So, so here's some pro tips for all you Bravely Default fans out there. Hot tips. Okay. Attack magic is total garbage. Um, I would not worry too much about, um, like black magic or time magic or uh, there's like uh, the Arcanist. It's like a late game black magic class. They just have not been doing too well for me. I actually have uh, two people who are just dedicated healers because my other two guys do so much damage. It is just <laughs> more efficient for them. Uh, like I have a um, monk who does not wear. I said this last time. He doesn't wear anything. Uh, he now just yeah. does nine 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 damage. Every time. <laughs> okay. Uh, then I have a combo ninja pirate. And he holds... So with his ninja powers, he has two katanas in his hand and he counters. Okay. Then he also has a sword master ability. Um, what is it called? I'm the worst at remembering names, but it's really good. Uh, it's called multitask, which uh, he has a 25% chance to do another attack every time he attacks. Mm-hmm. Then the pirate is his like subclass and the pirate can imbue like um, physical defense down or magic defense down or physical attack down or magic attack down or speed down like all these like okay. modifier stuff on a per attack basis so I have him go first double katana counter and like weakening the other guy and then I got the monk cleaning up at the end doing his nine nine nines <laughs> Um, and everybody else's job is to put buffs on people, slow down people, heal people up, keep everybody okay. This is a pretty unstoppable combo. So all my it, other leveling up is just kind of like funsies. It's it's the sword, 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 sword of Rayleigh Default. Yeah, it's a bit sword, sword, sword. I'm getting pretty... But the game is still damn hard. Because yeah. now, in Chapter 7, all my side quests are now three people who you have fought individually together but they have been raised up to meet your level and they're attacking together so it becomes this game of like who's the weakest like fighting three people is way too hard i gotta kill one as fast as i can and just hope to god i'm gonna live mm -hmm. then all right let's brave up a little bit who's gonna go down next and once i get it down to one it's pretty easy yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing I liked about uh, Persona Combat in particular, which, you know, obviously you're not doing like mega damage like right. you're doing in this. It's all balanced to be lower numbers. But it is, okay, I'm powerful enough that if I go in here and I do this, if I execute this in the right order, I stand a chance. Yep. If I, if I don't, I'm dead. Totally. There's just no way around it. Almost all the time in Bravely Default, though not all the time, you feel like when you lose, it's your fault. You're like, I was too aggressive, or mm -hmm. I uh, didn't have the right buffs, or I didn't pick the right combination of classes. I didn't know I needed to be 10 levels higher right now. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, that that was a very specific. So the worst is there's a boss where once he's down to some level of health, like 20, 25 percent, I don't know exactly. Um, he just goes crazy. He just starts executing these massively powerful attacks against your whole party every turn and he won't stop. You can't. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. Um, the only defense against it is you have to take him down in one turn. Or, like, you have to get him down to, you know, like, a third of his health, and then figure out how do I kill him in one turn. And that is extremely effective. Yeah, that's, I I like that. It reminds me of stuff in Final Fantasy XIII, where it's like, I could do a lot of damage, but once I get this boss down to a certain level, like, I'm just not going to do any damage anymore. So, you have to think of of a way around that. Exactly. That's more than just doing, you know, sword, sword, sword. So, it's it's a puzzle. And oftentimes, you kind of learn you're going into most battles knowing you're not going to win like you're doing research mm-hmm. what are they weak against or more importantly what are their attack patterns um god i i do wish though that like whatever the uh analyze function is in that game the scout function that tells you their weaknesses yeah i wish that information would stick it does stick it does yeah so um their health doesn't stick oh okay, but, that's but it. but all their um what species they are, which is relevant for the hunter class, mm-hmm. and what um, if they're weak to any black magic? Oh, okay. Like weak to lightning or whatever will show up. Hmm. That all sticks. I'd forgotten that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, though I still find it useful to use because I want to know people's health a lot of times to know because that's really helpful. Being like, all right, well they have half their health left, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna default, 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 or like. All right, I just did a round of attacks, and now they're down to like twenty percent health. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna attack again. Let's go. Let's we can finish them off. No need mm-hmm. to be conservative. It's so great. I need to just at this point finish it off because now I'm just kind of tooling around. But hopefully, cool. by next time we top, we'll finish it. Oh, it's so fun though. Awesome. Good for you. Everyone needs an RPG to get really deep into. Oh, uh, everybody needs to get way into bravely default. Did you see it just it just like sold a million copies worldwide? Really? Most of them outside of Japan. So they uh, they were like a yet another article being like maybe there's something to this. <laughs> we thought there was something to this. Yep, it seems like there's something to this. Weird. Okay. Probably second coming at some point. Can't wait. I I played a weird weird game. Bobby, take me to the magical world of Walt of Disney. D- Walt Disney. So Walter Disney. There's a game on the 3DS called Disney Magical World. It came out in Japan first, I think, and then they brought it out here. Um, it's like Animal Crossing and Tomodachi Life, but you're inside of a, I don't call it Disneyland because it's not a theme park, but it is like a castle hub world. It is a land with Disney things in it. Yes. Okay. It is a land of Disney, but it is not Disneyland. Understandable. Um, you are, you are a, a character. You play as yourself. You use your me. Oh, you okay. Yourself. So you're a human. You're just, you're, you're human. Okay. Right. And you roll into this, this land that has a castle hub area. That's kind of like the, I don't know. It's not like the main street, but it's like this, the spoke area in front of, you know, Cinderella's palace or Snow White's castle. Um, mm-hmm. and then in that area, people are standing around just like hanging out like an animal crossing. So people are walking around town and those are, those are a mix between Disney characters and other me's just like made up characters. Okay. Okay. 
So everyone's walking around milling about. And then in this hub world, there are uh, four, well, actually you can buy DLC for five spokes. And those go off into different movie worlds. So the first world you go off into is um, like a, the Cinderella, like a Cinderella hub. Okay. Uh-huh. I'll get to that in a second. Um, the things you do in this game, you're effectively trying to get items to craft materials to buy outfits for yourself. So like it's important in the game to dress fashionably because if you walk around, you get like thumbs up from characters if you are dressed fashionably, like in a good outfit, right? Okay. Okay. Uh, you can go to Scrooge McDuck's and you can buy clothes. You can buy um, I don't know. Items. Hold on. I don't know if I buy Scrooge McDuck as a tailor. No, no, no. So uh, Scrooge McDuck owns the like the nook equivalent of the shop. Okay, he owns a department okay. store. He owns a department store. That yes. I'm okay with. Okay. That makes sense. And much like Nook has his nephews or whatever running the department store, uh-huh. Scrooge McDuck has Huey, Dewey, and Louie operating his business. Okay. And then you can just sell stuff to him. That This is good. Okay. Okay. So you're trying to earn money. You're trying to get these items. And then you can go to Daisy Duck, who is the tailor, and she'll help you make outfits. All right. And Chip and Dale are the craftsmen, and they will help you make furniture. Sure. Now, the furniture, instead of just like trying to uh, you know, sell stuff to get bells, you also, you run a cafe in this world. Uh-huh. Um, and so in the cafe, you can craft recipes to sell. They'll earn you money. You have to decorate the cafe in different ways. So it's like a customer came in and said they want to see like a Hawaiian-themed cafe. Go okay. get us like Hawaiian wallpaper. So is this like this sort of like your house in Animal Crossing? Yes, but with it more is. to do? Okay. It's That's your house you in your Animal stuff. Crossing, but there is a much like, you know, you're trying to get a collection of things like along the same line. Like I want all the furniture to match. There's some of that in here too, but it also tells you like, Hey, we want you to go find X, Y, and Z. So in the game, you're trying to earn stickers for achieving various objectives, which is, you know, uh, get this many people to give you a thumbs up because you're fashionable. Collect, mm-hmm. Or you can go fishing. So it's like, get a fish that's 50 centimeters, get a fish that's 75 centimeters. Um, so there are all these like tasks that you can use to unlock different side activities uh, with your stickers. Okay. I, I want to go back to being okay. fashionable. Yeah. Is that a universal metric or would it be like, let's say you're wearing some, I don't know, like a tweed suit or something. Yeah. Is that a thing you could have? Um, and, and somebody would be like, rock on, man. That's badass. You got some, you got some guts. And somebody would be like, no, whatever. That's out of style. Go no. away. So the game is totally um, solipsistic and respiratory. So everything you do, everyone fucking loves, right? Okay. So if, you, okay. if you put All on right. a good outfit, they're like, Bobo, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Okay, so, and everybody is totally on board with the yeah. fact that you have made an effort to dress well. Right. 100% of people agree that it's great. Great. Okay. And so it's like, oh, you're, like, you're wearing the sweet chef's outfit. That's the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. That's and pretty so, good. The, the weird thing about this town is unlike the relationships that you develop with the your townsfolk in an Animal Crossing game, everyone here is in love with you okay. at all times. <laughs> Everything you do is the best thing ever, Nobody's right? going to just leave town or... Right. It's you, like, know, you didn't send me letters, whatever. Bobo, I'm so happy to see you today. Isn't, isn't this the best? Isn't just being here the best? I heard Mickey's here. It's like, <laughs> did you hear Mickey's? I was like, yeah, no, I was talking to Mickey just like five seconds ago. And they're like, fucking A. <laughs> You're talking to Mickey? Oh my god! But Mickey is always there, so they're just excited about a normal right, occurrence. like yeah, occurrence. okay, okay. Um, 
that there's also there's a king in the town that is not Mickey. And so you're trying to do things to please the king because he can give you unlocked gestures. So much like Fable, like you can walk up to a character and you like do like a little dance or something or wave mm-hmm. or, you know, wave your arms in the air. And they're like, oh, you just wave your arms at me. What's wrong? I love you. You're the best. Um, you're trying to collect cards. So you go and you, you like wave to people and you can collect their little character cards. And then so giving you something to do in the game you unlock throughout the game these different areas which take you to different i know like like i said one is the cinderella area one is aladdin i can't remember what the other ones are and in those hub worlds there are also quests to complete and the thing about you in this game is that yinsid the wizard who lives in the tower has given you a magic wand and you can use the magic wand wait a minute yep it's disney backwards disney backwards yeah (laughs) It is that Yensid. So you have a magic wand. You go into a hub area and it's like, <gasps> there's like one little dungeon in it where ghosts have invaded. So you're always fighting ghosts. It's like, you got to go in there and you got to, you got to defeat the ghosts and like find the treasure chest that has the ring in it that I, I, I dropped. I was out there and I was scared, but you, Babo, Babo, you can do it. I know you can do it because you're Babo. Right. So but how you are go, you defeating ghosts? This isn't like a combat. So, so it, it, it is combat. So oh. you have a magic wand and you, you shake the wand or you, you know, you attack with the wand and it sends a projectile hmm. and then you can do like power attacks to send like a really big projectile. Um, there's like a dodge roll, except instead of a roll, it's like this like really uh, ballerina-esque, ballet-esque spin that you do. Great. So like ghost comes for you, ghost like throws something at you and you're like, spin out of the way, attack, attack, attack. I mean, it's... It is clearly designed for children. That's not to say that I'm not having a good time. And then you do that and you get items. And then those new items are like crazy things that you go back and craft. That you can make new clothes or put in your cafe. Right. or Yeah, exactly. And then I return to the ring to the guy. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. I bet I can get you in with Cinderella and Prince Charming. And you can go to the ball. And then there is a ball, a, game, a mini game inside of the ball, which is just um, Elite Beat Agents. Okay. So you're da- you're dancing, but you're dancing by doing like you know hold, drag on the screen, collect the notes, rhythm game, like straight up Owen Don or whatever it's called, stolen out of it. They didn't care, right? That sounds uh, great. It's it's weird. It's fun. It's it's kind of awkward or it's, it's strangely childish in the fact that like everyone just fucking loves you. Everything is going on is so great. Um, you know. Unlike an Animal Crossing, or t- it's not as weird as Tomodachi. It's weird in the fact that, like, this is very strange that I'm in this world. Uh, so it's not weird like Tomodachi life in that sense, but it is like, hey, come do this mini game with me. Um, it's probably not as good as an Animal Crossing, but it's also fun to play by yourself. That's good. Um, you know, I don't. You can actually you can go visit people's cafes just on the internet, and when you go to a cafe, you can get outfits. So you're like, yeah, just go visit some cafes, and then hey, someone visited your cafe today. I don't know. Here's some here's some bells or coins or whatever. Um, It's dumb. It's fucked up. It's really cool. I may be the only person who likes this kind of thing just because I like Disney. It's because I don't actually like Disney Disney all that much. Right. I like like Pixar. Oh, okay. Sure. Well, yeah, of course. I love Pixar. I love Disney theme parks. Yep. But like, I don't consider myself to be a you know a Disney person. Like those those movies don't really do much for me. Sure. Um, so just in spite of that, it's all it's all kind of weird. I don't recommend you buy it, but if you want to experience, but it's strange, interesting. It, it is very interesting. All right. 
It's not good. It's very interesting. It's not bad though. That's the thing. Okay. And that's, that's my most important game of the week. Even better than save the best for last as we always do. Yep. All right. You know, we need, what do we need? We need some music. So we skipped over the news last week, didn't we? We did, because we were flapping our gums for a while. But this, there were actually some fairly interesting news pieces this week. Yeah, um, and, and stuff that I feel like we can comment on, because it is, you know, consumer news in a lot of cases. Totally, um, yeah, all of it is, I think. Well, and except for the last thing. Uh, well, that's true. Which is a topic that uh, we are familiar enough with that I think we can Indeed. speak about, so... All right, Jay, why don't you kick it off? So one of the big things that happened this week was the um, beta for PlayStation Now launched just to everybody. Uh, PlayStation Now, if you don't remember, is um, basically what Sony did with Gaikai. They are mm-hmm. um, they have kind of big plans with it. They want to stream games in the PlayStation ecosystem to Sony devices. Uh, for starters, um, you are going to be able to use your PlayStation 4 to stream PlayStation 3 games um, at a high variety of prices. Um, the prices are very are all over the place and specific to kind of per game, per length basis. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere from like 90 minutes to 4 hours to 90 days. Um, and uh, I have not tried the service myself to see how good it is. I think kind of the early reports are it's working really well and the prices don't make any sense to at, at least people like us do you have the option to enter the beta right now or it's not so you go so on playstation 4 you go to the sony store and then like there are just an option on the right is playstation now and you can just pick games and go with it so it's not something you enter it is a fully my understanding is it is a totally open beta if you are a maybe it's only ps plus members i don't even know but um and anyone with a PS4 has access to it. Right. I didn't do anything besides turn on my PS4 and go to the store. And sure enough, I could have bought any of those games. Okay. Um, so, the you know, like you said, early reports are this seems to work pretty well, but the prices are weird. So I pulled up a, a handful of um, opinion pieces. Yeah. Because that seems to be the best way for us to, to talk about this is to based on other people's experiences or describe other people's experiences and you know what our intuition is as to how we would imagine it would be um so first off let's talk a little bit about the prices so you get a different price based on what the game is and how long you want to rent it for and the mm-hmm. options right now are you can rent it for four hours okay you're right seven days a month or three months um i don't know if i understand some of the like i don't know if i understand why there are four different categories like i don't know who's renting a game for four hours four hours yeah i don't know why there's not i would think you would want a three-day option like a weekend four right. hours is like a sitting right is that too i would like to pay some money to try this game is that like a paid demo <laughs> yeah but the, but the prices don't make sense 90 yeah. days is almost too long like at that point why don't you just buy the game Right. Uh, and and if you look at the prices, they're like a little bit worse. Like, for example, the like Back to the Future episodes are four dollars for 90 days. As mm-hmm. You can buy them for five. Uh, 
yeah, yeah. like uh, Darksiders and Darksiders 2. Darksiders for 90 days is $15 rental. Darksiders 2 is a $30 rental for and 90 th- days. Those are pretty old games. I bet you could get them for that price. sim- similar prices. Right. Yeah. Certainly now one of the, used. One of the arguments here is that, you know, people will pay money for, you know, uh, the convenience of downloading or renting a game on Amazon now. Like the, the example was The Dark Knight Returns, right? Yep. It's like $13, you can rent that in streaming hd or you can right. go buy the blu-ray for 10 bucks but you, people still rent it right you pay the money and there's no like 30 gig download you're just going right yeah. now um there's also another point of um these prices are only relevant if you own a ps3 that's true because other like that otherwise it's like this is the way you're going to play it period. yeah actually that is a really good point that i hadn't thought about yet. yeah that's and yeah. And, and I, that will become even more important as you know they they start say that they're going to introduce eventually PlayStation original and PlayStation two games into the service, mm-hmm. and, so, and they and they open it up on things like Sony televisions or phones or whatever. Yeah, and so when you're going back that far, that may not even be stuff that you have the availability to get a hold of. Like unless you're buying, you can go on eBay, but as a GameStop say discontinues carrying, well they obviously don't have any PlayStation one games, but. As they take away the PlayStation 2 games, which they may not even have anymore, um, there's no way for you to get this aside from to rent it or to to buy it from a, an outside retailer. So in those cases, that could be more convenient and mm-hmm. the price doesn't matter because that's you know your limited option. Right. You can decide I don't want to pay that price for that game, but it's not like it's because I'm going to go buy it used on disc somewhere. It's because you're like, I'm just not going to play that game for that price. Mm-hmm. Um, the games that they have, you know, they have 101 games to start with. Mm-hmm. And they're all over. I mean, they're they seem pretty good. I mean, they're right. uh, just uh, a lot they, of downloadable games, a lot of older full games like Metal Gear Solid Four. Yep. Uh, um, Final Fantasy Thirteen's on there. Uh, yeah. Here's Saints Row Two. <laughs> you can rent it for four hours for three bucks. I don't yeah. know why you would do that, but so the, the that one's that one's strange to me. Um, the other thing is that with with the variable pricing comes certain advantages which is hey this game you know it's not it's not a well-known game you're probably not going to think about it like if it seems like a a bargain to you maybe you'll give it a shot if we were to charge you more for it you wouldn't uh you would not necessarily download it right but it also comes to the same thing as the or it's different than the like wii u or not i don't know the e-shop problem of here are virtual console games nes games are five bucks uh, what was it? Six bucks or seven bucks or something for a Super Nintendo. It was eight for Super Nintendo. Ten, 10 for, for N sixty four. Yeah, and, and and this is not of that problem, obviously. Yeah, right. But like in that case, the best Super Nintendo game was the same price as the worst Super Nintendo game. Right. So who's buying the worst Super Nintendo games if it's the top price? Exactly, and it made no sense even with, like so. I bought Super Metroid for eight dollars. I would have paid more than eight dollars for a digital copy of Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. But I was yes. like, word up, no problem. So I, I don't know if the variable pricing is confusing, but I don't know if it hurts them in I, that sense. Yeah, I they're very big on like, we're still trying to figure this out. So I think there's 101 games at a bunch of different prices to collect data. I yeah. think that is the point. Like this, they're gonna be like, this didn't work at all. Holy shit, this worked really well. Um, and, and they'll see kind of what comes out. As... Somebody who likes owning games, like, the none of it seems like a very good deal. Like, I think without a subscription price, I don't know how appealing this is going to be for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then again, you look at something like so Darksiders two is seven bucks for a week. Man, if I if I was a kid at home and wasn't doing anything, you could beat that game in a week. And for seven dollars, that's real cheap. Mm-hmm. But it's unlike when you could go to Redbox and get a you know Call of Duty game for two days for four bucks. Two days, four bucks. You know, um, I I think that there's I think that there's definitely potential here. I'm interested in the service as as something that has the potential to become a subscription service where I could just try a lot of games. Yeah, and, and I and, I I even wonder if uh, I'm surprised they're not. Well, maybe I'm not surprised, but I thought it would be interesting to pay for time like oh like what if like aol minutes literally yeah like what if i could pay a dollar an hour i don't know 50 cents an hour or something that's that's actually interesting because something comes up in your life and you don't get to play a game for three days right technically you know that's three days out of the seven day rental that don't count Clocks off, right? And if you if you had it for thirty or ninety days, maybe that's no big deal. But if you right. had bought it for four hours or seven days, that's a lot. Right. You know, all of a sudden the value time goes way way down. Or if you um, pay five, ten, twenty dollars for something and it sucks, you can just quit. Right. Like, I'll put that somewhere else. Um, one of the stories said that Sony is thinking about a subscription model. Mm-hmm. They're like, we that seems like something we would like to do. So, you know, obviously it's not going to be fixed at this. Uh, yeah. Might be for a little while, but there's the possibility. I think they know that they're in uncharted territory and it's going to be really easy to screw it up. So they have been very much like this is a long process the whole, whole time. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know. I, I I certainly appreciate them trying it this way and not just like laying down the law as to say, this is how the system works. Yep. Enjoy. Right. So the thing that I, uh, one of the comments I like here from Sean McInnes, who's right for GameSpot on this little uh, opinion article Mm -hmm. is that he says the problem with PlayStation now is that there's so much value in PlayStation plus already in terms of getting games to play that it makes it harder to think, Oh, well, if I were to rent a game for $7, like think about what a significant percentage $7 is in terms of giving you something to play versus how much it is. If you, you know, that, that free game or the two free games that you got with your PlayStation Plus subscription for the month. And it's interesting how good it is because if you break it down, PlayStation Plus is like four or five bucks a month. And like, we're going to give you a bunch of games. You have no say in what those games are, by the way. Like mm-hmm. none. They're going to, they're, but we're, we've proven ourselves as Sony, this is saying this, to be so good at selecting games that are of interest. You've now like have earned, we've earned so much trust from you that you're just going to pay that. And now mm-hmm. asking you if that's four or five dollars. And now we're saying, hey, give me eight bucks to play, you know, Metal Gear Solid for a week. All of a sudden, that seems like a terrible deal. You know? Right. Uh, could be, it, it could be cool. The thing that interests me the most about it is when the, if they say that when they launch the, uh, Vita TV or PlayStation TV. I can't remember what they're calling it here mm-hmm. in the States. The little box. Yeah. That was supposed to play Vita games that that will have the ability to stream through it. That all of a sudden is a cool proposition. Absolutely. Where, yeah. You're only renting games and maybe it's a little more expensive than buying it, but you also didn't buy the hardware to begin with. That's where, right. Right. So I can make up for the $300 difference between the, the Vita TV and a PlayStation four by renting $300 worth of games. Well, that's one of the things that made a lot more sense to me. Like, uh, when you start to consider like maybe somebody just 
you know, the person who skipped the PS3, they had the 360, mm-hmm. and they're looking at, like, Metal Gear Solid 4, $13 for a month, and, and I don't have to buy a PS3? That's a good deal. Yeah. Maybe for that person. I don't yeah. know. And as a selling point for, as I say, they, they want to put it on Bravia TVs, mm-hmm. and I bet they would love to put it on the iPad and Android devices. Like, exactly. At that point, why not, right? You know, assuming yeah, you, you can get it to well, run stably. It's kind of a non-starter without a controller input. Yeah. Since you're literally true. just running the PS3 game. Right. Um, you Here, know, here's, a, know, here's an iPad dongle. It, for, right. I don't know if they look at it for PCs. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, at that point, I think they would worry about it hurting... You know, they're still in the business of selling you selling PlayStations. Right. right. Or so Sony hardware more uh, is a more accurate way to put it. So maybe they wouldn't go, but so far. But. but, you know, if they don't have the PlayStation 4 games on it, then if you want to buy a PlayStation 4 to play, mm-hmm. you, or you still have to play, oh, buy a PlayStation 4 to play PlayStation 4 games in that sense. Right. So because they've segmented off that part of the market from all the previous stuff that they've done with no backward compatibility, right. they could still sell you a piece of hardware. And if you could stream PlayStation 4 games, I'm like, why did I buy this piece of hardware? Yeah. So. Yeah. I would hope that that would be a limitation. Yeah. Oh, and that could be like, hey, I really like the Sony service. Maybe I'll check out the PlayStation hardware. That's true. Right? Yep. It's kind but of. But I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm interested to see what they do if they tweak it or if this works or, or what. Yeah. So similarly. Similarly, EA Electronic Arts is getting into the deal. Um with EA Access, this is more like uh, Xbox Gold or PlayStation Plus, mm-hmm. where um, right now it's Xbox One only. You're going to pay $5 a month, and you're going to get access to streamed EA games, right? Or no? Download. You download them. Okay. Yes. So a bunch of Electronic Arts games. Uh, I guess it's also 30 I didn't know that. It's $30 a year, so that's pretty cheap. It is, it is cheap. So that's the value proposition here is that, hey... In the end, this thing is not a huge cost investment, so it doesn't necessarily matter how new or how good the games are on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, who wants to buy a bunch of old, you know, year-old EA sports games or play a year-old sports games? Yeah, I can't see them, unless it's wildly successful, giving you the newest Madden, FIFA, whatever, right. uh, or the newest Battlefield. They did put out the newest FIFA, Madden, and Battlefield, but at that point, those games are nine months old, so... Right. That's not too much of a threat. I'm, you know, the person I think that this EA service is for is the less discerning game player who doesn't really care as long as they have something to play. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that part of that group could be kids, right? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to speak on behalf of, of kids everywhere and how much they care about, you know, having the new sports game. Some of them I'm sure do. And some of them might not care. Um, but I could imagine a group like that being like, Hey, you know, Merry, Merry Christmas, happy birthday. Now you can go and you can download all these old sports games. Go for it. Yep. As opposed to buying them all new individually or Uh, somebody who they're going to buy, you know, our, our typical, you're going to buy Madden, maybe GTA or something. And like, wait a minute, 30 bucks for just a bunch of games. That's a low investment. Totally. mm -hmm. Let's go. Oh, one thing we forgot to say that's different about this and the PlayStation now so in a lot of cases, well, not a lot of cases, they have said that with PlayStation Now, 
you will have in some cases the ability to download or to use the DLC for a game. So if there's a, ah. like a map pack that came out that is included, if it says so, like that could be included in your download for the same price. Cool. Um, unlike this, which says you can stream these games, but then digital content such as DLC maps could, will be sold separately, but at a discount. Um, unlike PlayStation plus, if you buy, if you buy like the DLC or whatever for this, you get to keep that. Mm-hmm. I guess you do for PlayStation plus if you, if you, you pay for it, you would. Yes. Yeah. Uh, even if the games go away and they say that you're, game saves will be backed up such that if your subscription lapses and you want to go back and play a game later, you won't lose your progress in it. Nice. I think that's also the same as PlayStation plus assuming that the save file would be locally. Yeah. PlayStation plus. Yes. I'm not sure how the the now service works. I would imagine that it all gets saved locally. I would think so, but I don't know. That's good. That's a good question. Yeah. So I, I bet, I bet saves are pretty consistent across everywhere that you get to keep all your saves. So I I think there's a lot of, this seems interesting. Um, It'll take us a while to see actually what games they put on, how aggressively they are with new games and what the volume is. Mm-hmm. Um, but one interesting thing is when this came out, uh, they're like, it's coming to Xbox One. And people were like, why isn't it coming to PlayStation? And it's because Sony said no thanks. Yeah. Not some exclusivity deal or whatever. Um, and they were kind of vague. They simply said, we evaluated the EA Access subscription offering and decided it does not bring the kind of value PlayStation customers have come to expect. So I don't know if they think that it's a threat to PS Plus, probably. Um, That's or, my guess. Or if they uh, don't, if they think it'll be a bad service and if people buy it on PS4, does that reflect badly on PS4? I don't know. I, I would imagine it's it's all based on um, the number of subscriptions for PS Plus. Because i I'm sure that their thinking is, okay, is this going to be the type of thing where people will buy both of them? Or if we give them up the option to just play these EA games and, you know, they don't care what games get selected for it. Like, you know, they don't know what's coming out for PS Plus. Right. That they'll choose the super cheap one. I mean, it's what you can usually pick up a PS Plus subscription for 50 bucks, I think, 40 to $50. 50, 50 is full price for PS 50 Plus. Is full price. Okay. And 40 is on sale. So. Oh, yeah between $50 and $30 that's a pretty big right. discrepancy if if all you want is free games and you don't care absolutely now one thing I, I was wondering about um on the xbox do you have to be a gold member to to use this that's a great question uh, i i would think yes but i don't see that anywhere in this article i don't see it either hang on yeah what's it called yeah all access uh, 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 e- EA access. Yeah. Just EA access. I want to call it all access. Sounds like a sports show. Xbox Live Gold. Yeah, I'm just going to see if I can do a quick news recon here. You will need a subscription to Gold. I'm looking at the fact right now. Ah. So. So that's junk. Like if you don't uh, if sync that, let's say you buy it for a year and your gold subscription lapses in the middle of it. I assume you couldn't use access anymore. <laughs> but that makes that makes perfect sense right. from Microsoft's perspective. So that's interesting because Sony could have implemented the same thing. PS Plus subscribers get access to. Right. Get get the privilege to pay another $30 yeah. to get in here. And and maybe that's a positioning thing too. They're like, yeah, we don't, we think that's kind of shitty to do to people. Yep. And, and it's in our best marketing interest right. to say that we don't do They're that. They're like, we're not going to try to sell you more shit. 
um, you know, we will because we're going to, but we're going to do it by giving you discounts on games, which mm-hmm. I do all the time. And of course, these free games, not the ability to go and buy this other service whole cloth. Right. Mm-hmm. I w- yeah, and maybe yeah. that doesn't fit into their like gamer centric narrative or whatever. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'm trying to think of, I mean, they have had free EA games on PS Plus, I think. Mm-hmm. And I bet they'll, they'll continue to and, do so. And discount games. So, you know, there's still a way to get all that stuff. It's not like. Yeah, I don't know that for sure, but I'm just betting the odds. Like, yeah. Although at some point, yeah, you might say, fuck you. You can't put any of our games on plus. I think, I think that would depend entirely on the success of it. Yeah. But I think it's in EA's best interest. EA needs to keep playing nice with Microsoft or Sony. They can favor one way or the other, but, uh, I don't think they can totally ignore, especially now that, you know, the user base of the PS4 is bigger than the Xbox one. Right. And EA, while still huge, is not as big doesn't have its like fingers in as many no way their output is way lower yeah you know you just look at their their press conference and the number of games that they have coming up they have their sports games they have a handful of other games right but it's not like five years ago when ea was publishing everything and even their sports output is down the ncaa games are gone basketball is gone yeah um you know it is certainly a changing landscape Mm -hmm. so it would make sense that they want to eek money out of their old games again if they're not producing as many new games i agree all right so so yeah so let's move on to this last story um which was sad and odd um uh GameSpot, uh the long time one of the two big game sites along with ign mm-hmm. uh uh laid off a whole mess of its staff more than half more than half now i um i started going back to GameSpot. Uh, a little while ago, primarily for their news coverage. Yes. Um, I, I think their their news is fairly efficient um, in terms of just like straight up, tell me what's happening um, in a filtered way. Kotaku is too, there's too much and they don't filter news and editorial and reviews at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I'm going there, you started to notice a change. A lot of the primary features were like guest videos mm-hmm. um, or other like big weird features. And certainly it was not as personality driven as it had been when, um, you know, who are now the giant bomb, bomb folks, giant bomb, giant bomb folks work there. Um, there are giant bombs as well. Some of the people let go had been there since for a long time, Justin Calver and Ryan McDonald uh, for sure. I mean, Ryan, uh, Ryan McDonald was editor in chief, right? For, for a long, long time. I don't, I don't think he was editor in chief. Um, he was uh, primarily video production for a long, long time. He was high up. I thought, he, I thought after Jeff left, he took over. Maybe he at did the top spot. Maybe he did. I could be wrong, but it's one of those things where, you know, I'd said to you when we saw this, I, the amount that you see games or, you know, that I would see GameSpot and just giant bomb interaction with those people never saw Ryan McDonald. So no, never. Yep. Um, if you look at who's left, there's Jess McDonald, who is not in San Francisco. She just does their news videos. Yeah. Danny O'Dwyer, who's pretty present, and Chris Waters are both very present. Kevin Van Ord, who does he's, a lot of the reviews. And he's been around forever. He's been around a long, long time. He was at, he was there before uh, Jeff and everybody left, but not long before. Yeah. And Justin Haywald, who I've never heard of. Yeah, I, I actually don't know who that is either. So this, this is very sad, but um, obviously when people lose jobs, but, but I think really why we want to talk about it is like, what does this mean? Like 
why were they let off and kind of what's going on with games journalism? Right. All of the speculation around this, aside from the like, I don't know, uh, saber rattling of uh, Carolyn Pettit. That was, they said like, oh, she gave some, or said some like unkind things about The Last of Us. I kept, I kept saying that and I'm like, that's doesn't, no, that has nothing to do with it. Right. You don't, you, you don't, don't lay say off like, more than half your staff at the same time. She like said something somewhat controversial. She said something negative about a highly popular game. Right. So it's um, not even controversial. It's just. It's not even controversial. So we're going to fire seven people. Right. To even mention that in your article, I'm like, you should feel embarrassed for yourself. Because yeah, everyone wants that to be the case because they want they want to make the company out to be, you know, the like the real enemy, like the real bad guy. Aside from the, the business decisions, they want there to be something personal that's yep. in that. Um, yeah, this definitely seems to me like whatever our business model is doesn't work. So yeah. we need to do something. So the question of the, what the business model is and what business model work nowadays, what we're thinking about, I I don't know how you make money doing this stuff. So unless you, there's, so there's a couple options, right? There's the joystick option, which is hits, 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 hits as much as possible. You know, get as many people to the site as right. frequently ad, ad as driven possible. Ad driven site, ad revenue. Yeah. Um, and and that's a relatively small staff that is not based in the same location. So yeah, the, they, a lot of freelance work. You know, the, the upkeep is not as high as employing right. 12 people or 14 people or whatever it is. Kotaku in, in is office. a similar model. It's all about volume. Right. Um, then I looked at a site like Polygon, which has you know, undergone its own uh, layoffs recently. Yeah. People moving around, a lot of people shifting. Polygon seems to work, but again, you know, that is a non-video based text site. It is. And, and they've also struggled, I think, to have an identity. Right. I mean, the thing that sold people on Polygon was look at all these, look at all these people that came together to make this site, like all these mm-hmm. names that you knew. Yep. And like, uh, and like, we're going to use some new web design to make it look pretty. Right. Um, so, you know, Polygon, I, I don't know how it's surviving. US Gamer, which picked up a handful of people who had been laid off from other sites as mm-hmm. a split off from Eurogamer. I really like that site, but as I had mentioned to you, Jay, it doesn't seem like there are that that many people who are commenting on the stories. No, um, and it's it's also not very personality driven. They they also seem like I think the, uh, so. They actually had uh, they rearranged some people recently, and mm. I think that they're going to try to be personality driven. But the problem is, unless you know that name or the little you know user icon, you don't know who the personality is. So I can go there and I can say like I understand what kind of article I'm getting into if Cat Bailey is writing or if Jeremy Parrish is writing, right. Um, you know what I'm looking for, but you don't get that like real sense of personality, like the sense of celebrity that you do when people are on video because you get to see them and identify with them or listen to their podcast cool. or whatever it is. Sure. Um, uh, I think IGN's business model was to go wide. They're like, man, if we're going to be a broad ranging video game site, let's not stop there. So they cover movie and uh, comics and tech and mm-hmm. TV news and all that shit. So their their strategy was we'll just cover everything. We'll try to get people hanging out on our site all day. Right. Um so yeah, I was thinking that because GameSpot is one of the top two, that if it's not working for them, then something something is like really amiss, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there are not that many big video game websites. Yes, these people might say like these are the, the dinosaurs of the websites. But But when- they're still their traffic is still very, very high. Right. 
Like, so you may not be going to IGN and GameSpot, but a lot of people still are. Then the question is, okay, obviously they think there's more money out there that they're not making, right? It's And that the people that they let, let go were excess. Mm-hmm. Whatever they were doing was not going to bring in as much money as if they hired... I'm going to guess they'll hire a handful of new people to do more video-focused stuff that may be six months from now. Uh-huh. Um, and the people who remained are video people. Like you said, Jess McDonald does her videos of the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Dwyer hosts The Lobby. Chris Waters has always been on video. Um, yep. You know, you, you keep someone around like Kevin Van Ord to do reviews if you are still want to be a traditional reviews website. Right. Um, but if you look at Giant Bomb, they so, all their reviews are... I mean, I, they don't... They very rarely review stuff anymore. Very rarely. And have you seen that Giant Bomb Quick Looks have been showing up on GameSpot? Oh, I did not see that. Mm-hmm. They're very strange... Uh, like just popping up in the feed. So I wonder if we'll see more of that actually repurposing some content. Yeah. Like, why are we going to make a video of Mario golf when they just did it for an hour? Yeah. Here's quick look. Lovely planet is on there. I'm just on their website now. That makes literally sense. labeled like quick look. And you know, that, that makes sense because quick look, we sports club. There you go. And it's Game- the giant bomb video embedded in the GameSpot site. GameSpot is not doesn't need to do their own quick looks in general. I mean, that's just not something that they do, right? No, they shouldn't. So they can focus on more professionally produced live shows, syndicated, or stuff that can be easily accessed, easily syndicated, that you expect like on a weekly schedule. Um, that that may be the more popular stuff. The question is, where does live streaming fit into all of this? So. Most people are saying that the nature of the games journalism industry is changing because people would rather watch someone on YouTube or Twitch than they would go to any of these other websites. Absolutely. So that's that's the argument. Well, and uh, I think it's just it's something with people's pa- access patterns on the Internet in general. They're mm-hmm. not going to one site for anything. Right. They don't be they it. don't expect a site to be like a, a entity to be an expert. Right. right. They, they don't expect like, I want the news. I'm going to go to one site for news. I like sports. I'm going to go to one site for sports. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely much more of a, I am getting disparate links through my um, Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Um, I have different people that I follow, like you said, on Twitch or wherever they happen to be. Um, it's hard to know. I don't know how you would fix GameSpot. Right. Besides changing the scale of it. Right. I wonder how much people say, oh, these, you know, the top Twitch channels make a lot of money or top YouTube channels make a lot of money. And, you know, whatever. That's the most popular things will always make the most money. Um, I wonder how much it is like a a sense of a sense of like someone is willing to do this for free. So someone's going to play this game and they're going to do it for fun, much like they would blog for fun or whatever don't expect to get paid from it and thus if they don't expect to get paid from it and they're providing the service then no one can get expected to get paid for providing said service unless it's radically different right um so it's just a lot of people willing to do stuff for free or for cheaper than everyone else which is kind of unfortunate because that's part of it is and it's also part like what makes up an individual successful and what makes like a company successful are not the same Mm -hmm. like uh and an individual su- successful, like an individual only needs to be successful for six months, a year, like until they're tired of being yep. successful, right? But a company needs to survive, especially when you're owned and, by right. and CBS. They, and they need to be more successful. They can't rely on a single person, you know, to ensure their success. 
because if that's yeah that single person goes away then everything is uprooted yep although clearly they felt that these seven people uh their success was not based on that no which is a major a major bummer i don't like you know i, I did not read a whole lot of GameSpot, um but thinking about mean- like i really liked I've liked Carolyn's stories in the past. She's, sure. she's, she's been a good writer. Justin too. I think yeah. both of those people have, you know, you, I saw them, their stuff pop up, but, but more, more than that, like for, they had the occasional piece. that was interesting, but the type of work they were hired to do, even if they were doing it well, was boring. I don't want to, I'm not that interested in reading a, you know, five page review of the last of us mm-hmm. by anybody. Um, uh, don't, no matter how well written it is. So I'm not I'm not all that interested in long term feature coverage of E3. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. So even if you have competent people doing that, I don't know like where it fits in the way I consume stuff. I want somebody to play The Last of Us and write something on it, but not necessarily like a point by point review, take anal- analysis of the graphics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. It's it's funny how this conversation has changed over the past five years before oh, totally video got big and we were back when we were wondering what does it mean to write a good review and now it's like who's writing reviews who reviews games anymore right like you basically just word of mouth someone says hey you should check this out and we go from there it's sad you know um i'll hit metacritic up every once in a while for purchasing decisions but metacritic is only useful on the extremes like if i'm like is that game any good and it's like got a metacritic 30 you're like no mm-hmm. and if it's got a metacritic 98 you're like okay but if it has a Metacritic in between, it is not useful information. Like, I, yeah, I have no idea because no some website, someone I've said I've never heard of hated it. And right, and another screwed website, up their score. Yeah, that's yeah. uh, it's difficult. But so even in aggregate, I'm not sure where reviews have a place of these days. Which reminds me, uh, we do have a low score Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash low score podcast. Yeah, you've been using it. Uh, yeah. So with my new computer, I'm actually able to to stream. I played a couple games on there played magic for a little bit which was really frustrating for you to watch i'm sure oh, it's bad because i was you know 30 seconds or 15 to 30 seconds ahead of jay the worst the was when you like wouldn't read the card i'm like it says what it does I, ah. it's it's because i did not understand what i had read yeah that's that's been my big problem that's with true. magic i'm like wait do you do and then that person goes away oh i see you're okay it's doubling it's not just i thought it was it's adding x that was hard yeah yep. but anyway so uh, that's your scam to make a whole lot of money so totally ad driven, fat stacks going right into Bobby's wallet. I don't even know how you would make how you make money on Twitch. Like that, there is no option to like. I would like to make money. Like, I have not seen that option yet, so I don't know. Don't know how that works. Like for me, it is. Oh, they're providing a service, which is that they have this apparatus and infrastructure to allow me to stream my games so that I can play video games poorly while nobody watches. Ah, uh, I also learned that you can stream to our Twitch channel. I can. So separate, you can set it up such that uh, separate accounts stream to the same channel. Ah, okay. I wonder, I should hook up my PS4 to do that then. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be really fun. Because so, it so doesn't... We could, yeah, it's just really easy. And you could sword, 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 sword. So, good luck to the folk who are finding new jobs. Good luck to all the people who want to keep their jobs. It's turbulent times. It's always turbulent times. But Indeed. We know what that means. I always know what it means. Good morning, Captain. Well, good morning to you. Will you meet another mule skinner? The list. Down on your new mud run. Ha 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 ha.
Let it run, but it's another two minutes. Yeah, we'll just let it play the background. It's a great song. It's best. It's a it's dumb best, song. Man. It's way better than this stupid feature. I'll tell you yeah. that much. All right, so the list for this week. Uh, we got some. We actually solicited for listener responses. We've got some responses. We got four. Yeah, uh, and then we have our own. We wanted to know this with this list. I originally phrased phrased it as cherished, but I ended up on the phrasing. What are your five most prized video game things? What are your five most prized video game things? Uh, and we got a, a range of answers. I, I would like to know how many of them are tangible, intangible, collectible, personal, meaningful, whatever it is. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this one in particular. So should we start with Friends of the Show? Or should we start with ourselves? I think we should start with ourselves. Yep. I like it. Um, I, I have I have to make some decisions right now because I have a list that is longer than five. I'm pretty sure I know what they are. Okay, this this is a definite. That's a definite. That's stupid. That's personal. Okay, yeah, actually, I think I got it. I think I just got to go with my first five here. All right, so five video themes. Th- Let me try that again. Try again. <clears throat> five video game things you own that are special to you. You know, when we used to do the show and we would drink during it, it was understandable that I would be stumbling over myself. Yep. But now that we do it in the mornings, I know there's no excuse. excuse. There's no excuse. Maybe too much caffeine. My tongue That's is true. working faster than my mouth. I don't know. Five video game things you own that are special to you. Your five most prized video game things. Jay's got his carafe of coffee right now. I got a whole cup, whole pot. Uh, you go first. All right. Um. So this is a simple one, but I've just I, I've always really loved it. I picked it up on eBay at some point, and it represents a game that is really fond, a fond memory of mine, and we love here at the Low Score Podcast, and that is my Chrono Cross clock. Nice. It's simple. It's that a cheap, awesome. a cheap collectible. Um, it's a little plastic desk standy clock that has it's silver. It has the C in blue with kind of chrono cross looking uh, water background inside the sea and i still keep a battery in it still tells time occasionally remember to change it from daylight savings to standard time nice <laughs> it's it, it wasn't expensive but it was one of those first things that i went out to purchase to say like oh right i really love these video games and or i really love this video game and i want to have an object that's associated with it nice oh yeah my first item is something I think I've shared with you before, and it is my Nintendo Power Binder. Ooh, I don't think I've ever seen this. Have you not? Okay, so I bought this um, sometime in the mid-90s, early mid-90s at an electronics boutique, and it is a Nintendo Power Binder that opens up. It came with a free six-month subscription to Nintendo Power. And in it, uh, so it came with like three pens and stuff. But I've kept a whole lot of stuff from Nintendo Power that I three-hole punched and put in. Nice. So I have uh, this uh, envelope. It says you don't need to wait for NU64 to hit the big time. And it come with, like, uh, this is, like, what came with a video. I've got a bunch of um, uh, brochures for, like, Virtual Boy and the Super Nintendo. Uh, I have a $10 off coupon to Game Boy Color. 
I have a $10 off coupon for Earthbound. Hey, um, I, I still somewhere have my Super Player Club, like collectible points, redemption oh, nice. points, you know. Um, I have this envelope that says for your eyes only virtual boy and it has some sweet cards. I have those. Yeah. I have those. Uh, yeah, a bunch of power supply catalogs I've got in here. Um I have By the a... way, what a great name. Oh, the power supply. The power supply. Okay, this came um with the, uh this binder, the complete Nintendo Power Game Pack directory. Ooh. Um that has at least at the time whenever this was printed, nineteen eighty nine, uh every uh, <laughs> NES games, and then uh, mailing addresses and phone numbers for Nintendo game publishers. Then I have um, all of my correspondence with Nintendo, uh, because when I was a kid, I was too cheap to use the Nintendo Power Hotline, uh-huh. so I wrote to Nintendo several times asking for assistance, and I have uh, uh, three different responses. I, uh, I Actually, I have my own responses somewhere, responses. too. Oh, fuck, where did I put those? I would love so, to find those and then compare them. One of them, I could not figure out how to beat the second dungeon in Link's Awakening. So they helped me out with that one. Um, one of them, I asked why there weren't comics in Nintendo anymore. And so <laughs> they... Oh, I, uh, I asked about why there were no comics and no more trading cards. And they said, well, we put some Killer Instinct and Mega Man X2 cards in there. But we'll keep putting them in occasionally. I was like, that's a bullshit answer. Uh... <laughs> One of, one of them was the, uh, I had problems with the Ice Lake Dungeon in Link to the Past. So this one was a three-page response with 15 different steps. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. This gameplay, I mean, you can see, I mean, it's pretty long. Um, and, okay, one, I, I sent some art. I had drawn uh, some uh, Donkey Kong Country art on a, uh, on a uh, envelope. And uh, I don't think it made it in the magazine, but... Yeah, yeah nothing I ever did made it in the magazine either. No, I used to send art. Tra- I would just trace. Totally. Like, hey, it's my art. That's tracing. Um, some, I some N sixty four power tips. Ooh. Oh yeah, I had that. Uh, did you? Have, so I, I pulled out and used the um, Mario sixty four inventory. That I don't recognize. Yeah, this is this was a poster. It's got like Wave Race sixty four in this. It was just one of the posters. You know, they had a poster every issue. Okay. Yeah. Um, and on the other side was this like super helpful, um, like where all the stars are. Nice type of guide. How to get all the coins. Um, the number of coins in each level column was essential. Uh, so that, a bunch, a bunch this of is this is your entire the list, right? This is this is all five of this, your items here. This should be. I kind of kept all this. Here's this um, confidential information. This dossier advertisement for Goldeneye. I, I have that. Yep. So this is a distillation of kind of um, my years with Nintendo Power, which were weird years. I didn't have it in the earliest. I would buy a couple off the shelf, um, but then kind of the mid and late '90s was when I was. Getting it definitely like Nintendo 64 time. Um, so this is kind of an archive of mid 90s me doing my Nintendo Power thing in this sweet binder. That's really cool. Um, I have a couple letters there in the closet somewhere that, that I sent. One of them I asked for the autograph of Mario and Luigi, and <gasps> and instead I got a signed autograph of people who worked at uh, NOA headquarters. Gross. <laughs> it's like. And and it was a not pic- at all what you want. And it was a picture of of the building that they were in. 
I, I googled some of those people. I'm trying to okay. remember. Um, shoot, hang on a sec. Oh, here it is. Okay, so that that's similar to my next one, which I have most Nintendo powers. I'm missing the last few years because I stopped subscribing. Sure, but. Uh, of all the issues, the one that is most important to me, the next thing on my list is issue November, December, 1989, volume number nine. This is the Tetris Ooh. Nintendo Power. Okay. So this was the first Nintendo Power that I got um, in the mail. Ah. I well, I guess my mom back ordered, like ordered me like the, the ones that came before this. So I had, I had them all, but this was the first one I got in the mail. My name is written on it because I would bring this to kindergarten almost every day and read it on the bus <laughs> how what kind of condition is it in um surprisingly good condition i mean the, the cover is is barely hanging on here yeah like one of the staples still works but it doesn't look like it has been like through the ringer it doesn't look like it's sat in my backpack so i likely like carried this in my hands at all time and prized it and did not let other people touch it amazing uh, it has features willow tetris super off-road iron sword robocop and play action football and yeah, this is this is the first Nintendo Power I remember reading. So it's of all of them, it is the most important to me. That's great. Um, so I have I have a I was looking at my strategy guys, trying to find if there's anything particularly important, and there really isn't. I mean, I, I I'm I like my collection. I like the ones I have. Mm-hmm. But I came across something I am really proud I have, and that is the hardcover bound collection, the best of the Super Mario Bros. Valiant Comics book series. Where did was that a, a subscription gift? Nope. This was uh, so I, I bought a bunch of issues of um, back in the late '80s, early '90s. There were uh, like Mario Brothers comics and Game Boy comics, which are really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, put out by Valiant, and this is just like a collected. Issue. I, I must have got this in a bookstore or something. I remember getting oh, okay. it with my grandma a lot, like in the malls. Um, and it's fantastic because they're wait, like, when was this book printed? This book was printed, it's going to be early, 1990. Okay, wow. 1990. Um, it's also in really good condition, which I like, because mm-hmm. uh, I think I got it a little late. It expands on the Mario fiction. It was like a lot of Mario Brothers 2 stuff in a totally weird way that is totally non-canonical. Uh, to demonstrate this point, Bobby, how uh, you're a Mario Brothers fan, right? You might say that, yes. Huge. So I'm going to ask you uh, these questions. <gasps> Trivia. Here, start. Welcome to the biggest Super Mario Brothers comics extravaganza in history. That's Try not a question. Try to answer these questions. Okay. Bobby, who is Mario's favorite hero? Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, Luigi? I don't know. Incorrect. It's Dirk Drainhead, the world's first two-fisted action plumber. <laughs> Dirk Drainhead? Uh, is that a now, real character? Uh, in the comics, absolutely it is. Uh, oh, now, okay. I see. You should know this. You there's, played a lot of games with Bowser in it. Right. There's a Mario verse. That, okay. Yes. So what does Bowser say when he is about to pull an exceptionally dirty trick? He's always saying this. Ah, I, I always remember him saying, I'm going to get you. Not a bad guess, but he actually says, this is going to be excellent. <laughs> this can, can I start using that? Yes, you can. Um, all right. Who thinks the king of mushroom land is dumb? Uh, Toad. Oh, trick question. It's everybody. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, what is Princess Toadstool's favorite cereal fruit? Peaches? Uh, no. Nope. Trick question. Uh, so she, she she's a big fan of 50s doo-wop, so her favorite fruit is Chuck Berries. 
Oh, boy. Anyway, there's other questions, but you get the idea of how random this stuff is. This is going to be excellent. This is going to be excellent. Is it is uh, it going to be or going to be? Oh, all right. I don't want to get it wrong. So yeah. Me, I, I should obviously know this. Uh, this is going to be excellent. This is going to be excellent. Amazing. That's really cool. Uh, it's great. There's the bad year blimp. Uh, it's just one of these, like... Back when, uh, like, obviously, like, now they're still cashing in on any property they could have, but it seemed like nobody was paying attention to it. Yeah. So it's all just totally chaos, and they're like, as long as we can put Mario and Luigi on the cover, we don't give a shit what's inside here. You know what would be amazing? That is what's evident in these comics. If if one of the Mario RPG games went back to those comics and used them as canon. Yep. Oh, they totally should. And just Dirk, be like, yeah, Dirk the... Dirk, Dirk, Dirk Diggler. Dirk Diggler, yeah. What the hell is it? Dirk Drainhead. Dirk Drainhead. The world's first two-fisted action plumber. Uh, it's so good. Anyway, so I like that. All right, my next uh, item on my list, also Mario related. And I don't have them here. I don't have them here in, in my hands. They're in the closet, but in the back. I didn't want to go and get them. Uh, I think I've talked about them before, but... When Super Mario Brothers 3 was out, you will know, or you remember that they released a bunch of toys at McDonald's, right? Oh, yes. The little, so, like, suctiony cup ones? Yeah, there was there was a suction cup flying Koopa that would, like, spring up. Yeah. There was another flying, or Koopa that you could, like, squeeze air into it, and it would kind of hop. There was a Goomba that you would suction its chin to its feet, and then it would ha- do, like, half a backflip. Oh, no, it was, it was Mario that was on a springy thing with the raccoon tail. And then there was Luigi riding a cloud on the little like uh, Matchbox car. Nice. Those are not it. Okay. Instead, it is the uh, hanging Mario Brothers signs that they put up in the McDonald's to advertise these toys. Ah. That my mom used to go to McDonald's at midnight and get them, like ask them for the swag and bring them home to me. Amazing. So, yeah. Not only is it like a third removed promotional object. But it is my mom's dedication to go to the store and and buy me this, or give me these like really random things that I doubt I doubt She's many like he's people gonna have. Love totally, yeah. Most of that stuff ends up in the garbage. And fortunately, there's these are the ones I drew on as a kid. Ah, ah, so, but that kind of makes them more charming. I mean, it's more charming for me, and I like to have them because yeah. of that. But uh, I drew like fangs on Luigi. Oh, so, okay, that's kind of a you, there's no resale value in them, but sure. they're important to me like this all right that was my third thing what is your third thing that's that's pretty good so um we're gonna we're gonna fast forward to a a bit newer era so one of the things i have is actually just my playstation one okay uh, which may seem super random super random but everything about it is very i think unique to my experience and and marks a real pivot in the way i played games um like I mentioned before, I got my PlayStation after the PlayStation 2 came out. And before that, I played pretty much exclusively Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. I missed the PlayStation, barely even played it at friend's house. Um, certainly played a good amount of Genesis. Um, got it at Starland with a woman who was trying to sell it to the store. The store would not take it, so I gave her $20 for That's it. That's right. Um, my PlayStation barely works. So one of the things, it came with a scratched up copy of um, GTA. It 
uh, does not work unless you turn it upside down and jam something under the cord. Um, the cord that it came with, like, was one of those screwed into the, like, coaxial ports. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the red, yellow, uh, blue. And the controllers I got didn't have DualShock input. They were just straight up original. Were they original Sony brand or? Original Sony brand. They were original okay. Sony brand. So on this piece of garbage, I played through Final Fantasy VIII. This, I got this summer of 2001. I played through Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IX, Chrono Trigger, and Chrono Cross all in a row, all for the first time. You had a PlayStation 2 at this point, right? No. I had oh. a PlayStation 2 summer of 2002. That's right. Okay. That's, I was going to say, why don't you just play it on PlayStation 2? I not have it. That's... Um, so the PlayStation 2 had been released, and then you purchased this. Then I got this. Why I think that's why I got this for so cheap. Ah. Now, I had missed all of these games. Mm-hmm. I had played Final Fantasy VII a little bit before on the PC. Um, I had not played Final Fantasy 1, 2, or 3. I had played Earthbound and Mario RPG, and I think that might have been the only RPGs I had played. So all in a row, I get this, like, master class in... Greatest hits. Of... In literally the greatest hits. Um, and it was good because I was economical. I didn't have a lot of money. I was in high school. I actually borrowed all those games from friends and then like went back and bought them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of fond memories for this piece of garbage that barely worked like well-loved and well-used while also playing some of the best games ever made. That's awesome. Okay. Number four on my list here. Um, is something that I didn't realize that I had until I started clearing through the video games that are on my shelf. I have my uh, PlayStation 2, Xbox 360, and GameCube Wii games. All the games in like the DVD size cases on these shelves that are behind my door. And in there, I just had some stacks of stuff. And in the stacks, a bunch of shitty games. The games that we played for the PlayStation 2 stream. Yeah. Found all those again. Great. Uh, but stacked in there was something that is not collectible in the sense that it has a lot of uh, value on the open market. It is not something that was officially produced, but rather it is my advanced DVD copy of X-Ray Studios, P. Rappa's and Thmile Dilemma. There you go. Uh, that I got when I said, I really love this. I need to have this right now. So xraystudios.com produced a movie that was based on uh, 8 Mile, but starring P. Rappa the Rappa instead. And kind of in the thick of figuring out what it meant to be going to MAGFest, uh, what all those friendships were starting to mean to me and all those people, like, you know, knowing their personalities, knowing who they were and and realizing like the really funny writing that they could do. Because, you know, River City Rumble is 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 fun to watch, but it's, you know, just a, a bunch of people running around with cameras and punch each other. Right. And then Silent Horror is too was too much too soon. Project Snake's awesome, but the uh, P. Rappas and Thmile Dilemma was like this whole other weird take on a genre that shouldn't work as a movie by doing a rhythm genre. And, you know, memories of like watching that for the first time and thinking it was brilliant and then asking them and getting this this DVD. I have the real DVD, too. Um, but that like little special thing to know that there's maybe one other Just person. Just like a, the burned copy of it. Burned copy, white disc nth mile written on it and that's it um really happy to have that in my possession that that not only is awesome all on its own but it's also that's that's kind of like 
I like some of these things. I, I wanted to like symbolize other things, and that's definitely like all of Magfest is kind of wrapped up in that disc. Yeah. So this is from Magfest. Magfest is all about like the people who were there. And... Right. So this is from Magfest Four, and I I guess they gave it to me then. So it says nth mile Magfest Four cut. And then in the sleeve it's on, it has a question mark. Cause I guess they had like put it backwards and then they handed it to me on the back. It just says, I have no idea. So I'm pretty sure I think Chad handed it to me like on the slide. You, you don't have this. No one knows you have this, but this is yours now. So, uh, and it's still like this cut is funny cause they hadn't fixed. Like there were still like audio issues in it. And I think one of the oh. scenes, you know, they hadn't quite edited it down all the way yet. So it's like the original cut. Ah, uh. All right, number four for you. That is awesome. My number four. Um, now that's where I'm getting. It's getting hard. So I think I have to pick. Uh, I am. Uh, so I've. I've. I certainly like having a lot of video games. I was about to say I'm not a collector, and I guess I'm not. But I like. I like having things. I like amassing games. Yes, that makes sense. Um, but I. I don't. While I like things in decent condition, I don't have things like in great condition or like keep the box or anything, mm-hmm. um, which just makes makes me sad for like the older games, right? Like I don't have any Super Nintendo boxes or manuals or anything like that, even though I have all my games and they're in pretty good shape. The one exception is uh, this copy of Super Mario Brothers 2 I have, which is still in the box with all the original packaging um, that I got accidentally uh, at a Game Crazy when those were still around. Hey, I worked uh, at one of those. There you go. So you remember, uh, they sold old games, NES games, Genesis games, whatever, long after um, GameStop stopped selling them. Yeah, that's why I started going there. And they they didn't really differentiate the, like their system for uh, quality. So somehow they ended up with this copy of Super Mario Brothers 2 they were selling for $5, which had no stickers on it or anything like that. Um, and I just kind of picked it up. And the more I have it, the more I like like that that it is one thing in my life I'm like all right i will always know like what nintendo boxes looked like mm-hmm. like the weird styrofoam insert at the bottom the black sleeve that the games came in the like house ads that came with it the like security cards that came with it mm-hmm. um yeah the war- warranty card the warranty card all that stuff i don't think it's worth anything and I, i'm not really interested in selling it i'm more interested in it as like a whole relic of the package like i don't need a whole lot like that but i really like having one like this is it this is what they looked like um, it, it brings back a lot of warm and fuzzies, just like, um, seeing it and having something like that. Um, so I think it is a, it is, it is a unique part of my many video games in that it, it, it still has all the original packaging. That's, that's super. Yeah. It's I love super Mario. Hey, I love having original packaging. In fact, one of the things I cut off here was like the earthbound box like that. I, that really big ass box, sweetie yeah. big. I don't have that. I actually cut off Earthbound too, like because I still got the guide in pretty good shape, mm-hmm. and the game's obviously in good shape. But uh, yeah, Earth, the Earthbound thing that I have was my like really hard to cut, but I decided to cut it instead. Um, so my last item on this list here is a little more personal, and uh, it is a, a we one would call it a fan made object, and so for uh our friend of the show good friend of the show great buddy jimmy's bachelor party we had him over to your house we had a really good time and then for his wedding he gave us all a bunch of gifts and the gifts one of the gifts that he gave us was we got hand painted 
artifacts of of things that we like yes so we did. i believe you got a, a street fighter for blanca painting i do it is framed it's sitting in my room right now so the thing that i got and it kind of encompasses one of the things i wanted to put on here but it's a little more tangible uh is i have the like a general claptrap done up like fidel castro propaganda style that uh, jimmy painted for me that sort of represents all that was the the era of borderlands the many years of borderlands in our life going from hey this seems kind of cool we should play this together and hey we finally have a, a multiplayer game that we could play and and hang out and chat online and then the dedication to get 1750 points in it um all wrapped up into a single framed thing that sits on my uh sits proudly on my tv stand so my my little claptrap done up like fidel castro is one of those really important objects for me Funny you should mention that because <laughs> my number five is the Borderlands mug. You got all of us for uh, for your bachelor party because of the same reason that it you know it's such a weird it's such a unique game in that um, obviously yes uh, we're all online chatting but there's more than that because we played through large swaths of that game that suck you mm-hmm. know like uh, it, it had an oddly addictive nature all on its own. And, uh, you know, none of us are real big online multiplayer players. Every time we kind of try to find other games like that, it doesn't quite work and sit. Um, and it's just a unique, like, cool item. So, yes, it brings back warm and fuzzies for the game and uh, the people. And uh, uh, what, what a very few, you know, I don't have a lot of video game stuffs. Like when I go, especially recently, mm-hmm. like when I think about it and I, and I remember like going, um, you know, they have awesome stuff at MAGFest, like, uh, gl- glasses like that with, with cool Metroid insignia or Mega Man insignias or whatever. And, and it's hard to be like, ah, I don't, you know, it's hard to like know where those fit just because saying like, I like Mega Man, which right. is true. But like, uh, so, so having, uh, having something that I don't have a lot of like that, that is also wrapped up in, uh, cool memories is is pretty neat borderlands bringing people together borderlands bringing everybody uh, together I mean, we, all over this land i think of all the people i played borderlands with and all the hours spent a game that was important for me to play with people as much as it was to like stay up late and play it on my own while doing nothing yeah a game that uh transcended stages in my life god damn you borderlands you're the best it is the best it is the best game that there is Fact. Oh, fact. Uh, maybe Portal. Maybe Tetris. But, no, I mean, we know Portal. The answer is Portal. You're right. We already talked about this. It is Portal. <laughs> um, okay. So, like I said, we solicited this week for answers to the list, and we got some good responses. We sure did. Uh, A lot of thoughts. Uh, you read Kevin. I'll read. Oh, wait. There's oh. four. I'll read Loso and Nathan, and you can do Kevin and Campbell. Word up. That makes sense. Yep. Um, so, good friend of the show, Loso responds, number one, is PS1, PS2 memory cards. So, the systems, games, controllers, that's all replaceable. The save files on them are not. That is such a good answer. He answered that. Is that is such a good answer. He answered that before I had even given thought to mine. I was like, oh, shit, that's the best answer possible. That is such a good answer. Because, right, who cares? Because, and especially once you get past, I mean, no games are revival, but you can look at games 
when I was a kid and have sentimental value for them. I love Chrono Cross. I have no attachment to my Chrono Cross discs. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so he's is so right. Like that, the, the memory cards are what symbolize all the time spent with it. Um, yes. Oh, so good. Number two, his Tetris cartridge, which was the first game he ever owned. He sold off most of his Game Boy collection many years ago, but kept Tetris and a few others. Uh, number three, Valkyrie Profile for the PS1. This is probably the rarest game that he owns. Never took it out of the box and played the PSP version so that he could keep it in the box, temptation-free. Ooh. Said not much of a game, co- a rare game collector, but it's one that he's proud of. Uh, number four, I like this. It's an early 1990s Mega Man action figure with a working Mega Buster that launches a little fireball thing. Hmm. Quote, it's pretty rad. <laughs> and number five, his copy of Super or Super Final Fantasy IV for Super Famicom, signed by Uematsu oh, awesome. and the Earthbound Papas. That's awesome. He had bought the game, and then I remember him getting it signed at Mad yeah, Fest yeah, yeah. when they played. Oh, I totally forgot that happened. And and the people he has explains some of the people who are in the Papas, but they are also significant people to the Final Fantasy series. Not right, just, exactly. They're not just like dudes he found to play music with him. Right. Like, no, nah, they're legit. A writer and you know another musician and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really cool one. That I like that. I don't. I don't have anything signed. I don't think. No, I don't. Nothing nope. signed. Yeah, me neither. Awesome. So I will go with friend of the show, good friend of the show, Kevin Flanagan's list. Uh, one is the awesome Tetris attack jacket yeah. he brought to one of your panels at uh, uh, MAGFest a couple years ago. That's one or of my... even just this year. My most... That was last year. It was one of my most prized possessions, and I don't even own it. God, this thing's so cool. It's so random. It would be... If the game was better, it would not be as cool. Right. If he had, like, a Zelda denim jacket. Exactly. Not as cool. The NES Atlas, which um, I've got as well. That thing, if you think you've seen good strategy guides, you don't know what you're talking about. Because NES Atlas was one of the first um, like books that Nintendo Power put out. It's got like 20 games in there. Like full maps for Super Mario Bros. 1, 2, 3, Castlevania 2, 1 and 2. Maybe 3 as well. Was Ninja Turtles in that one? Ninja Turtles is in there. Yeah. The first three Mega Mans are in there. Okay, yeah. Zelda's in there. Let's look. Let's look this shit up. Hang on. I I have my copy handy. I have it, but it's in the other room. My dude, and mine is in garbage condition. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Oh, mine, mine is too. Cause oh, when, torn up because you used it so much. And the thing is, when I couldn't play the video games, I would just take that with me and look at it. Right. Right. It's like you know, reading oh, the instruction yeah. manual for something before you can get home and play it. So I go on vacation and bring the atlas with me and not have any of the games. Yep. Like, I can't get rusty. What if I can't get away from this? I need to know how to beat Mega Man 2. Uh, his next one... Are you are you looking oh, for yours? Yeah, yeah sorry. That I, I would keep going. His next one is the Super Mario Bros. 3 Player's Guide. But that was just an issue of Nintendo Power, but that was also essential. And... Super detailed. And what was and the most... And also fun to look at. What was the most important thing in the Super Mario Bros. 3 Player Guide? The most important the, page in it? I don't know. The answer is the page with the uh, memory matching card answers. Oh, God. Yup. Yes, it is. And you would just, yeah, you're like, which two cards can I flip over that will tell me which one I'm on? Find a unique combination. Amazing. Uh, his uh, D&D PC games in various iterations. I guess that means both digitally and physically. 
that's mm. pretty awesome. That's, a, I think, a pretty cool collection to have. Yeah, and what's one of those things that I really associate Kevin with, too? Like, I never yep. played Baldur's Gate or Icewind Dale or any of that stuff. Right, or, and he's been into that for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, Gold Box games, yeah. Um, and then uh, his Steam collection, that's, exclamation point. That's a bullshit answer, but I kind of I like don't it. think that's a bullshit answer. I think that's cool. It's like saying, all of my video games. Are... But that's, I mean, isn't you, you know, I don't know. Because like we were talking about last time, though, um, your NES collection or PlayStation 2 collection or play or whatever, those have, those live in a box. Those are for a thing and they will go away. Yeah, that's true. Your Steam collection persists. That is the games you have on there are current and will be current indefinitely easily accessible to you it is only growing there's no reset button you know so yeah i i see what you mean but it's kind of a bullshit answer but it's also kind of cool all right next up new uh new person to submit a list of the list and this is a uh, a fellow richmonder jason hey i did not know that uh he's at rva all day <laughs> rva all day he's yep. at um, that's a song vcu i believe Okay. And he is the upcoming author of the book, I Am Error, which is the platform studies book of the NES. Nice. Which I'm really fucking excited about. Hell yeah. Uh, I have read his stuff and and he's good. It's good. I am not. So, I would totally read that. That um, sounds great. Yeah. So that's coming out in 2015. I can link you to some of his, his like best writing online. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he responded and it's a bunch of NES related things here. First up, he has. Oops. Let me go back to the page. Um, he has the Red Sharp Twin Famicom. So, think like steps removed from actual Famicom that would, and then having to go to Japan and play this other rare version or get this other rare version um, of of an old system. So, super rare. I don't nice. know. Don't know how much it how much it costs. Um, yeah, it says uh, Twin Famicom has support that allows games like the Morero Twin B to support more than more than the usual two players. Um, so I guess you can multi. Wait, let me read this again. Twin Famicom support that allows games to support more than the usual two players. I guess it like hacks multiplayer into things. Oh whoa! I should have I should have read what this was before I uh, I just googled it quickly. Anyway, it seems crazy. So there's that. Um, he already is kind of winning with the awesomeness. Yeah. Like this is like, we thought we had some, you know, really random stuff in here. <laughs> I have a regular PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. I have to turn it upside down for it to work. It's weird. <laughs> it was weird. Um, the next thing on his list is the Aladdin deck enhancer, which was by Comerica, uh, developed by Codemasters, and a cartridge based system that allows software on compact cartridges to be played on the NES. So, it's not even like hack it is a hack way to get non NES games to play on the NES. What? Yeah. Um, and Codemasters, of course, made Game Genie. Yes. With Galoob. They made Galoob made it. Yeah. Galoob. I thought Codemasters was a part of that. Maybe. I think it was like a developer and producer. Um, yeah. So the crazy ass way to play games that no one even has access to. So that's cool. Yep. Uh, the next thing on his list is the res trance vibrator. Nice. Which amazing. Everyone talks about, but I've never seen one. In I've person. never seen it either. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this I've seen pictures came with, came with the game res and you could use it to it pulsed. People used it sexually. What? Oh, 
What? This one I'm particularly jealous of. He has the NES Black Box Collection complete. Ooh, ooh. So all the all the original games that came just in the black boxes. So uh, you talking about the uh, like the the I'm trying to even know how to describe it. They had the uniform design. Correct. Yeah. So uh, Excite Bike. Right. Um, Kung Super Fu, Mario Brothers. Golf. Uh, Gyromite, Hogan's Alley. I'm actually just pulled up a picture. I, I, ice climber. Yeah. Slalom. Volleyball. Urban champion. Yep. Word. I, I I don't know if I have. Gumshoe. I, I only have maybe one or two of these in my, my box collection. If I had all these, I would put them up on a wall for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous of that one. Next in his list or the last in his list is he has Dragon Warrior 4 complete in box. Which I'm sure that is a hard find. Very impressive collection from the man who is the master of the NES. Mm-hmm. Some might call him Captain N for Nathan. Oh, I wouldn't. Okay. And lastly, this is uh, lastly you, not lastly the next thing on the list. Oh, of course. Sorry. And, and lastly, and lastly, uh, so Fox Campbell uh, has a list of five here. Uh, the first one is his Giant Bomb membership and shirts. Best money he spends all year. That is an excellent answer, I think. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, arguably, the thing I do video game related the most is Giant Bomb related. Yes, I spend more time watching Giant Bomb than I do the, playing video games. Possible. <laughs> Number two, I think you should have left for the last. Yeah. Uh, you can leave it for the last. I'm going to leave it for last. Oh, uh, no, so... second to last. Yes, okay. Uh, number three is his uh, fight stick. Um that is an no, no more specifics than that, but that is an awesome answer. Um, again, like the idea that people are into, oh, well, hell, I play a lot of rhythm games, but like buying specific hardware for one thing, right? Um, I think is is totally awesome. Um, uh, number four, Philly's surprisingly good arcade scene, by which I mean there's two super great ones I can get to easily. If you have more than zero <laughs> decent arcades yeah, right. within a radius of you, you are in great shape. So I'm super jealous. Uh, now is number two, which is our number four. Sweary65 follows him. I don't know how the fuck that happened, but yeah. I hope you were giving him great ideas for his next game. Hey, speaking of, did John Drake recently go on like a following rampage i think are you friends with him on ps4 or jimmy is yeah i i am maybe jimmy is too he put up he's like i got because he works for playstation now okay so he's like you want to be uh you want to be friends just shoot me he was like i'll only follow if you give me a real name request and i was like sure that that explains it because i was wondering why you had that and then uh campbell said or tweeted the other day that he got a yo from the yo app from john vignaki i don't know (laughs) i saw that (laughs) i don't know what that means that's random um, okay, and then be- I'm gonna say, correct if I'm wrong. We've had six lists, six of the lists. Mm-hmm. This might be number one. This is the portal of answers to the the list. I think I still have the Gamers Club NES controller with all of the president's names written on the back. That's the best. It's the best. So so we signed it first, and then it just kept going down the line. Yeah, when we were in college and we, we were the presidents of the club, we passed it yep. along. Yeah, which yeah, which yeah, we, just, we only passed it along for like three presidentships or but four. But whatever. Yeah. That's still great. Four presidentships. Actually, no, that's it's more than that. It would have been more than it that. It must have been more. Because Campbell was the last of us to graduate. Yes. Yeah. 
because he wasn't even there when we were there. No, so maybe there's five. Was did, did anybody else do it for multiple years? I don't think so. Okay. Was, yeah, we don't need to get into the specifics of it, but yes, it's pretty cool. It's pretty. That cool. says that's like a ten years of college, all wrapped up in a controller. Mm-hmm. Let's say. I want that back. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Please, uh, e- uh, please email that controller to us. Yeah. If you could take a photo of it, at least to send to me, I'll be really happy. Could you please? Uh, all right. I want you to find somebody who knows about 3D printing uh-huh. and get them to develop plans to 3D print that specific controller. Right. And then email us the plans. Nope. Not good enough. And then, okay, because go to a MakerBot. We need to collect DNA samples from all the previous presidents. Oh, you're right. So that the other fingerprints can live on it forever. Right. And then uh, then maybe we'll get somewhere near it. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's it. That is this episode of Low Square Podcast. Thanks for hanging in with us. Woo! Uh, yeah, I had thank, a really good time. Thank you for hanging with me. I had a great time, as always. Uh, the list like this. Well, the ones about the Steam backlog are important. The list they like are, this oh are my, my gosh. favorite. Yeah, yeah, they're the fun. They're, they're it's cheerful, you know. Mm-hmm. Not about what's wrong with this or like, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> you know. It's like enthusiasm from people. We got a lot of the, let's say, all of our listening audience to contribute uh, lists. I've seen so. the numbers. That's not true. Okay, all right. Some of our enthusiastic members are contributing. Our active lists. Twitter followers. Let's say. I like it. Perfect. Um, if you want to be one of our active Twitter followers, you will have to wait because first I'm going to say, if we've enthused you and you want to write into your list, we will read some off at the beginning of the next episode. Lowscorepodcast at gmail.com because you can always subscribe to us at lowscorepodcast at dot blogspot.com because we still use that, even though we have a domain for the website. Uh, I just like saying blogspot. I can say blog and it's and to blog spot 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 of the blog you can tumble us no you can't we'll see you next week on the blog spot hey and uh if you want to go to us on twitter which is where we tweet things mm-hmm. um you can you know we had a good time here today i think as we just said do you agree i had a fantastic time i had a fantastic time so say hey at low score podcast i have a good time when i'm doing 